Can I start with my news because okay. it won't take a super long time? Nope. You can start with your news. All right. All right. Are we ready in five, three, six, two, seven, one, go? I'm going. I'm going <laughs> as hard as I can, Jim. Um, I, I, I just asked Jim, like, hey, can I do the news at the beginning of the episode? Like, I have some stuff I want to talk about. And, and now I'm sitting here like, what do I really want to talk about? Um, no, I know what I want to talk about. So as I said, and I think it was about two episodes ago, I was going to sell my camper. Yep. It went up on Reverb and when it listed. It already listed $100 under what I had anticipated making on the camper. Um, I didn't make any money, but I think it was a minus rental fee, right? Right. Um, and what I realized was that within the six or seven days that it was up there, the prices went down $400. Oh, my God. $400. I think, yeah, I think we're starting to see a shift in used prices. But go ahead. I think, well, it's that, and I think the quad cortex is coming out, and I think there's a lot of people that are just dumping them. Yeah. They're just dumping them right and left right now. And I was like, I got to get out of this thing before the before the market really falls out. Um, cause I don't know, like, I don't think the quad cortex is going to be any better than the Kemper is honestly. That's, that's my assessment. Um, but some people seem to think it's going to be, so they're dumping their gear and yeah. they're making it hard on everybody else right now. Um, so I kind of took a bath. Um, and let me, let me, let me share a couple things. So here's why I took a bath. I, I dropped my prize. I did have a sale, a buyer on the line. He was talking to me and he wanted to discount shipping. I, I put the shipping at 150 bucks. So I did a quote. My label was allegedly going to be like $45. So I figured $45, $20 for the packing material. Um, yeah. It actually fit perfectly in my Lone Star Cat box. Oh, wow. Um, in, in fact, I even got to use the foam corners, which means that like, I didn't have to spend anything on packing. Oh, well, I spent I spent 40 bucks by stockpiled. I got stuff for other things I would sell. Um, so there, actually there's like foam and stuff behind the uh, thing back there. Um, so what ended up happening was I went to go buy the label. And insurance or insurance for the for the damn thing was $55. I, insurance prices have gone up. Oh, at, yeah. At shipping? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I found and, that out. And my... And my shipping cost was was roughly the same. It was like five bucks more, which I figured a week closer to Christmas, it's going to increase a little bit. But what got me was that I had discounted the shipping for the for the guy down to one hundred and ten dollars, and I was at one hundred and nine ninety five shipping. Holy! Which means that when I sold my Kemper, I made. The, the original sale that he paid, the sale price was like twenty four fifty with tax. They, of course, Reverb takes the tax, which they should, right? Yep, yep. And then they have to; they pay the tax for you. The remainder is supposed to be for the shipping. Yep. And I ate all of that, which yep. means out the door, I sold my Kemper, an expression pedal, and the Gator bag for like twenty one ninety. Okay, I I lost my shirt on that deal. But that said, I just I wanted to be out from under it. I didn't want to have to worry about it anymore. Yeah. Um, the the missus gave me the blessing to put a little bit of money here aside 
to get into another amp. And I'd already bought the cabinet out of that money, so I was around 1400-ish out of the proceeds anyway. Um, which means I have no credit card debt right now to speak of for gear. Like, I literally have no gear on cards, which is great. Um, that's that's something that I don't get to say a whole lot. No. <laughs> and and good, because I, I don't plan on using credit cards to buy gear anymore. Unless right, I'm going right. to be using it just to get the rewards money. Right. Um, and then you pay that's, it that's off. One thing I, that's one thing I've been doing. I've been buying the really expensive stuff on cards and then paying it off immediately. Like, literally, yep. while I'm standing there in the store, pay it off. Yep. Because then I'll get the rewards. And I've got the Apple cards, fifty percent cash back. So I'm like, yeah, just reap it. Like, yeah, I got. I've been thinking over. about doing that, but I, I haven't um, done it yet because I don't want to do it until I'm ready to use it. Yeah. Um, so there, well, there's some caveats. Talk to me before you do it because there's some okay. caveats on that one. But um, so I, I got the Captor X. We talked about that. This box is a box of damn win. Um, yeah. And I'm yeah. not saying that like I don't. I, I think I'm going to buy myself one for Christmas. Seriously. No one of these guys. Um, but I will tell you, Jim, you, you, you heard the tracks today. Mm -hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, what David is referring to is, so we put, we're putting together, David has written the, uh, the harmony for, um, and one of the solos, one of the melodies for, um, our new intro logo and outro logo for both video and for the podcast, the audio. Yeah. We're, we're going to splice it up. It's going to be nice. It's going to be different. Are you guys, and we're going to do a little videos to go along with it. Will be yeah, some of, some of you have all been, been with us almost 200 episodes um so it's going to be different the first yep. time you hear it you're gonna be like wait what yep. <laughs> it's definitely kind of what we're hoping for it's definitely not what we had it's it's like what we had and what we have <laughs> no no there, it's, it's, it's very different yeah my, i mean my daughter Comes and she goes. The original theme was blues. What are you doing now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I gotta be honest. I, I wasn't in love with the original theme. I like this one better, and I put a little. Um, I played a little funky blues uh, or a, a little funk bass part to it. So um, I'm gonna lay down a bass track um, that's gonna get done this week, and uh, hopefully my guitar crack, track will get laid down. And I might even do some harmony vocals in there. It'll be a little um, strange, but I'd like to I'd like to put something together. And I so wish this. I had one of those because I got to tell you, it sounded great. I'm gonna have to mic a man. I may have to retract my parts later because I got to buy one of those and then redo, or just wait till next week because I'm thinking this weekend I might buy me that. So so what I got I gotta say that what you heard is the Lone Star that you can get from them. I paid 10 bucks for it. Yeah. Uh, Cause yeah. I wanted it to be just like my other cabs. Yep. And I spent about an hour dialing it in and I saved it to a preset. I used the knob on the front to select the preset I want. I've got like three sounds in here right now that I use. Yep. And then that's it. I don't, I don't do anything else. Um, I maybe I do goose the reverb on it. Like I'll, I'll adjust the, the, how wet it is. But um, other than that, I mean, this sounds just as good as a digital modeling solution for going direct to the board and getting the cab sound, if not better, because the amp is like alive. Yeah. When, when you play, when you play a, um, a tube amp, there's, um, there's a certain feeling you get about like how it reacts to you. And it's, I think it's actually the randomness of it. Like it's not, it's not perfectly random. Like a computer could be, 
um, where, you know, it's just using a random number generator to do something. It's more like, I would say it's randomness, but like um, quantum randomness in the sense that the particles are all pushing to this certain specific spot. They're not spread out evenly. And so even though you might not be completely certain of what it's going to do, you're close to it. And so you can get away with it, but it makes it sound alive. It makes it sound like an animal. Um, And I am so happy with the way that um, things are going now because this is the first time I've recorded anything with it. So I'm like, listen to it through headphones. It's not the same when you, if you ever had this feeling like when you're playing a guitar or whatever, and then you're like, oh man, it sounds really good. And then you listen to it back later. Like through oh, man, that looks like, like garbage. Oh, what yeah, am I? What were they thinking? Because you're just you're in the moment. Number one, and number two is your ear is focused on like maybe the acoustic properties of the instrument while you're playing. Because I know I do that. I focus on fret buzz and stuff that's coming off my guitar, and then I realize that's my guitar, but it's not coming through the amp at all. Um, and that's where it's that's kind of what the the feeling is like when you when you go through you know a digital rig and like you have this thing and you're like oh it sounds really good and then you record it and you listen to it back later you're like no that's what terrible. the heck was that like yeah. what was i thinking and it's just because you were in the moment you know yeah. yeah and i didn't have that reaction with this thing um i was like actually if anything uh i had to tweak it just a little bit to do something that was a little bit out of the ordinary that I normally wouldn't do. Um, but that was like, that's it. So, and then of course the editor, I was sitting here and I was working on my DAW and this is the thing that scared me the most. Cause I'm like, I'm going to have to get a USB cable every time I want to hook this thing up and edit it. And I was sitting here and I was like, you know what? I am not going through that hassle. I got up my phone, got the app, went in there did a couple things and I was done. Isn't that great? I, yeah. Like I said, I, I am, I am honestly looking at getting one of those so that I can do the same thing because to me, um, it, it's it's something that um, I think I think I enjoy. So, couple couple things for me this this week. So first of all, your little piece of trivia. Uh, 1999. The dates from 1999. The days, January 1st through October or uh, December 31st, will line up exactly with 2021. So, because of that, there is a certain calendar that was released in 1999 that they are re-releasing for 2021 because the person that created that calendar was not does not do calendars anymore. He doesn't do um, any uh, comedic stuff anymore. He used to write a panel for the uh, for um, the newspapers. So. I picked up, by the way, he's actually a jazz guitar player. And he is Gary Larson. Yeah. So Gary Larson, um, The Far Side 2021, is actually, if you had, which I did, the 1999 calendar, they are reproducing so, it. So you got it, and it's and it's just like all spoilers. Like, is it's that... all spoiled. If you had it before, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. Which so I did, like, but I don't care. I may um, just leave it in a box. All right, so. Uh, and then you can use it in another, what, 21 years? Yeah, 21 years. So, also, I was, I don't own a record player. Okay, I haven't owned a record player since 19, 
Oh, oh, 82. Um, so what did I go by? That seems weird to me, but okay. The Dark Side of the Moon. Did you buy? Did you buy a turntable for it? No. Hold on. Wish you were here. And the wall. What's what's premium press vinyl costing now? Um, <clears throat> this was thirty one dollars. This is $31 for, for, for art, basically. Single, a single, yeah, single disc. $31, and this one was 40 something because it's a yeah, disc. Yeah, it's a double. Yeah, it's a two uh, double. Now I have all these on CD. I also have them in Apple Music. Why did you do that, Jim? I, I have I some wanted... of those on Super Audio CD, believe it or not. What's that? I have some of those on Super Audio CD, I think. Yeah. Oh, this one was. Yeah. I'm shaking my head because it's not that like vinyl isn't cool. Like I would definitely, if I had a space for it, I would probably have a turntable and stuff. But I, it, I, yeah, go ahead. Premium green vinyl thing, like they're making a killing on that crap. It costs the artist a lot to print those too. Um, yeah. So it's in, it would be interesting to find out how much the Floyd made on those things. I have heard that the real cost associated with vinyl now is the cost of the engineers who know how to do it. Because it used to be the mastering engineers. There's a there's a great Sweetwater um, interview with the mastering engineer who is who's like specialized in vinyl. Um, that was part of Gearfest this year, and I'm sure you can go on their site and you can find it. Who his name is? And um, he was he was talking about the process, and I was sitting there thinking like, so the people that are doing vinyl now need people like this guy because there is no one coming out of college in the last 20 years that knows how to deal with vinyl. And it it's, is a totally different medium. That's right. It's an interesting thing. There's actually a place um, that what there's a, a there's a um, studio in Nashville. And uh, I don't know if they're doing oh, yeah, it. Yeah, we talked about this where, where they could record and then they yeah. can get their vinyl back. You do the, the live day. recording. So yeah. I'd like to also plug a product. Um, I was bored. I was sitting around and I wanted to play some guitar and do some lesson stuff. So um, I went to uh, Steve Stein. Everybody remember Steve Stein? We had him on the show. Yep. Uh, really good guy. And he runs. Um, should reach out the, to him again. Yeah. Well, he said he'd come on with a guitar in hand next time. So we should get him on here at least to do uh, maybe do a little thing with us. So I bought his. This is funny. Because I told them that they, they made a, a typo on this. Pulling of to musical freedom. It's supposed to be pulling off to musical freedom. It's supposed to be doing um, arpeggios, you know, pull-offs. Pulling offs. No, it's not supposed to be that. <laughs> I'm and just I, like, this is like This is bad on multiple levels. That was, yeah, that and... wasn't lost on many people when I when I went into the group and I said, uh, <laughs> did you know that you made a typo and... That's kind of a weird title. Huh? <laughs> yeah. um, and terrible. I also got, um, they're running a great special right now, folks, if you're if you're interested. So Music Theory, Made Easy. Um, this is a DVD set, but your, your first thing you're going to say is, Jim, I don't have a DVD player. 
They only have room for eight DVDs. That's they give okay. it to you online too. They give it to you online too. So what is um what is that run, by the way? It was sixty-seven dollars for everything. And it also included a bunch of like um eighties hairband solos and seventies hairband solos and and uh, um something else made easy. So it's a it's a great time to head over to Guitar Zoom, check it out. See what kind of stuff they've got that you might want to look into. And uh, he's got everything from from beginner to freaking shred. I mean, the, um, yeah, because as you know, and well, you know, and the, the listeners know, um, uh, Steve Stein is a killer guitar player. Um, and if you ever get to meet him, he's uh, he's even shorter than I am. He's a nice dude and he's yeah. shorter than Jim. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's about Angus Young's height. Um, he's a giant among among all but, people. Yeah, yeah. He's a really, really cool dude, though. Um, sat on here for an hour plus talking to us. Um, it's amazing the people we've That's had. That's one of those, like, lost interviews, too, because I forgot about it, and then you brought it up, and I was like, yeah, I remember Steve Stein. Like, he was great. Yeah. Um, I was telling somebody about having Michelangelo Badio on the show, too. We got to, you know, we got to figure out what number episode this is, because we got an anniversary episode coming up. Or, yeah, we've got to get we'll some. do a 201st episode spectacular just to be different. I'd like to, <laughs> yeah. I, there's actually a couple of people I'm thinking about reaching out to um, who are, uh, so I don't want to mention any names yet, so, uh, but I really think we can get some folks on here um, so that we can run into our 200 to, to 200 and whatever and, and bring some uh, bring some folks on. So if you guys have any ideas, um, we'd be glad to hear them. Um, yeah, reach out for sure. Yep. I know someone mentioned uh, Samantha Fish. and uh, I would love to have Samantha Fish on I, the show. Yeah. I'm just uh, afraid that Samantha Fish is too big for us. Nah, I don't. I mean, I'm not saying that Samantha Fish. The, a lot of the. Um, uh, you know who I want to get? I'm not even going to lie. I want to get Josh Smith on the show. I want to get Josh Scott on the show. Well, he'd be good to have on the show, too. My wife would kill me. She says he's a, an ageless vampire. Yes, he is. She says that he is, like, the creepiest-looking <laughs> dude she's ever seen. Like, she makes me turn him off when she comes in the room. He's really tall, too, from what I understand. Oh, yeah. No, he's freakishly tall. Yeah. I've met him. Oh, yeah, that's right. You met him at the, um, you met him at the uh, thing. Um, he's he's everything that you think he would be from the videos. Like when you meet him in person, it's the same dude. Yeah, I mean, yeah. literally, not like turning around to his guys and being like, "Get this asshole out of here." Like he's like a nice guy. Like he's not like trying to eject people or just genuinely nice dude. So. Yeah, there's there's a lot of people. Uh, so I had a customer come in tonight who has talked to and ordered stuff from um, our other friend of the channel, Nick Bongers, and um, uh, he yeah, rock on. <laughs> and um, seriously, so he built a pedal for Nick, and uh, Nick was going to put some artwork on it. You said you might have seen that. Yeah, I think there. I think he's actually he's got several pedal projects going over there. Uh, I saw a couple of things that he was he was planning on doing. Some that were made me laugh really good, um, but uh, something involving you know Behringer pedals and that kind of thing, which is kind of funny. That's cool. Um, I've been thinking about getting the entire. Um, series three set of pedals. I bet and, if you buy it and you buy it direct from Josh, I bet it comes on the show. Yeah, I, what I'd like to do is get them because one thing that, that um, people pointed out to me that's scaring them away, they all look exactly the same. Yeah, 
Cry me a river. That's what I said. I, I was like, well, wait a minute. You can just you can put a sticker on it or something that says this is that pedal. This is my echo pedal. And you have like a, I don't know, an echo. I, I don't how know. About, how about like you do what I do and don't look at your pedals while you're playing and just. And just stomp them. You know where they're at on your board. Well, that's, you're yeah. Practicing with, you should. All right. Here, so th- let's be real. Real talk. Practice with your board. Yeah. Don't just plug into your amp and play like through your amp at home. Mine if you're going right to play here. your set and you're going to rehearse, rehearse with your damn board because you're going to get used to putting your feet in the right places and yeah. when to lift them. Mine is literally, so uh, there's my fender. You can see that. And right off camera is my Marshall. And my pedal board is hooked up so that I can go, literally go right out of the Marshall and the fender, out of the fender into the Marshall. I do, and, I, I do think there's one thing to, to mention, though. If you're going to do that, like the three series or whatever, the other yeah. three series, Yep. If you're going to put them in the back row or if you're going to mix them with other pedals, like just make sure the heights of the pedals are good enough to go there. Cause I'm having problems with my board right now. I have that, that EVH face 90 and it's lower than yep. the pedals that are on either side of it. So like I need to get like a barefoot button or something to put on it so that yeah, yeah. when I smack it, like I actually hit it rather than like the pedals next to it. Yep. Um, I found, everything I've done, I literally planned it out just because of what you were talking about. Because I don't want to hit my chorus pedal, which is right next to my Phase 90. And my Phase 90 sits next to my um, Univide. Yeah, it's the thing that I don't so, think a lot of people realize. Like, they, they want to they want to get these boards and load them up end-to-end. And yep. it's like, how the hell do you turn them on and off without pumping other shit? I know, right? I, I've, never, I've never understood it because, like, I can't do that. If I'm getting a double pedal, I don't want it to be in a Hammond, like the regular Hammond size enclosure. I want it to be in the big Hammond enclosure, the yep. dual pedal enclosure. Um, like Chase Bliss, the way they do it, usually it's a tap tempo is the second switch, so you can get away with it. Yep. But like there are a couple pedals they do that don't have a tap tempo switch as the right or left foot switch. So it's like, how the hell do you hit only one? <laughs> it's like I had the Brothers. And yeah. the only way I could use it was programmed through the ES8 that I had at the time because... Yeah, yeah. I was always, I was always hitting both foot switches. I, I, yeah, that would I don't even have bananas. big feet. I like I like the Lagrange for that reason. It's got their their and and the same with my Wampler, um, uh, my Paisley Deluxe. They're far enough apart. I don't have that problem. I mean, I get I get like the let's have everything compact so we don't have to carry a lot of crap. Yeah, but I'm kind of over that. Like, I had a Kemper, and it was like, oh, yeah, it's like convenient. Listen, it was just as bad as having an amp, a head, and a pedal board because I had this giant road case I was rolling around, which mm-hmm. had, like, four different pieces of gear I had to hook up on stage. Like, it was pointless. It's the same shit. You know what we're not doing, you and I, which I, I could see if I was trying to stick something in the overhead, right? And so I had to have something that was exactly... X by X, oh. X by oh. Y by Z. Oh. Amp one. Oh. I don't know yeah. how that happened. Yeah, amp <laughs> one. I, I, you know, I'm I'm literally looking at getting another one. I I may get one next year too. Yeah, I, I'm thinking early next year. It'll, it'll be it'll be late next year if I do it, but yeah. um, I don't yeah, want just, the amp one X. I I wouldn't mind having. I just want the regular just Mercury, a little portable amp one, because it's got killer Marshall sounds in it. Yep. I heard him doing the, the Mercury. He did a live broadcast this week where he was playing like Deep Purple stuff and he was nailing the tones on Inrock. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, oh my God, like that's, that's what I want. I yeah. almost, I, you know, I'm going to get the Fillmore 
Um, that's probably going to be the amp of choice here. Yeah. Um, it's been basically at this point, I'm down to header combo. Like, which do I do? Um, and I'm sitting there and I'm kind of thinking like, I could just buy an amp one, but still have I, like $600 yeah, there's only, over. There's only, and I say three, but one of them is seven. <laughs> there's only three more pieces of gear I want. Um, uh, the amp one, um, the seven uh, JHS series three pedals. And what's weird is what I'm going to do, and my son and I have already talked about it, I'm going to buy another uh, pedal board and we're going to paint yeah. it white and we're going to do an all white. Um, and then you're going to put it on, you're going to put it on pedal boards of doom and people are going to be like, you machine, you monster. What are I, you I doing? Care. You can't even they, tell them apart. <laughs> there's what those guys can do right there. Sit and spin. Motherfuckers. Uh, anyway, so, um, <clears throat> and then the other thing, uh, we just, we mentioned it already. And that'll be the first thing, actually. Those are going to kind of be in reverse order. Is the, uh, the, um, the Captor X. The Captor's going to change and, your life. And the beauty of the Captor X, it's already black and white. So, um... I I, I was telling, like, I told everybody on the podcast last week, I brought the box out. The box says on the bottom, you know, the, the product for tube amp purists or whatever. Like, it really, it, it, like, if you play tube amps at home and you're tired of, like, getting your earplugs out, just, get, just pony. Like, don't buy another tube amp. Buy this first. Because I, I really do what is think. It, $300? I'm not, listen, I got no endorsement. I got no skin in this game. But just having the attenuator on it. It's a reactive load and an IR loader in the same box for like right now they're five fifty during the holidays. Like Yeah. It's a no brainer. Yeah, five hundred and fifty dollars. It's I, I mean, seriously, you don't have to invest. You, you could pay in, more than that to retube your twin. Exactly. You don't have to pay um, all that money. Go get your um you know everything. I just, and I gotta like it's not for everybody. I totally yeah. know that, but like, yeah. and I'm not honeymooning on this thing. Like, this is a, just a good. It's a I, look. When when Captor X2 comes out, this is going to get sold. I'll get the Captor X2, yeah. but the rea it's a digital piece of gear, right? But the reality is that this fills like that Swiss Army knife thing really well, which is what I was kind of looking for to begin with. Was just like, how do I, how do I get a direct signal that sounds like a freaking ir you know that, and there are various ways to do that you can do it the helix stomp and stuff but it's got a built-in attenuator too well i had a, I had a yeah i had a customer call me today and asked me if we had the uh marshall um uh five the the um dsl5 and i went the dsl5c yeah 5c and i and he was looking for it because he wanted that emulated out and i said listen man that's not no. i have the i have the 40 cr and the emulation out is the same in all of them. Yeah. And it's poop. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just poop. I didn't think it was Listen that bad, me. but it's like... No, it I is. Didn't it's think that it... bad. It's that bad. Don't try to sugarcoat this. Don't put sugar in the toilet with the poop. One of these days... Jim and I are going to get together, and I'm going to take out the Mark V 25, and we're going to run the cab clone off of it, and we'll do a track, and then we'll and then we'll reamp it with his his DSL 40 CR output, and we'll and we'll see which one's actually worse. Because I have yeah. a feeling this guy with the speaker turned off in it even worse. Because you can use it with the speaker on, it sounds great. 
you turn the speaker off and it goes to this like flat load and it just yep. sounds like ass. Yeah, this thing um, is... Oh. I'm sorry. Actually, I just, I can't fall in love with it. It's got no life to it. It's like what people, when, t when people tell me they don't like PRS pick pickups because they're lifeless, that's what I feel like when I'm playing this thing with the loader, with the emulation. And it's the same with the Fender. So don't think I'm going to sit here and go to... Oh, but the Fender is not no. You know what? You know I hate to admit. Still on though, right? Huh? The speaker's still on though. I can turn both speakers off with the emulation though. Well, just realize like that's not supposed to emulate like your amp that you're sitting next to. It's supposed to be like a microphone in front of it. I know. I mean, I don't know that you're going to be any any more thrilled with the captor on that on in that regard. Um, no, no, you got to get comfortable with that that what that sounds yeah, like. You yeah, know? but I can I can move the thing around and but and choose different it. Just to me, the emulation sounds like, 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 what? I mean, like. Well, my problem is you can't. You don't have any control over it whatsoever. Yeah, like, and I can't here, do it. Can't, I can't switch it from a V thirty to or a V type right. to a you know greenback or. Well, that's what like, I'm saying. It, it's and and you can't switch the quote unquote microphone placement either, and so you can't say, okay, you know what? I want to I want a mic that's just slightly off cone or. Or uh, yeah, you they, know, they, they picked what they thought sounded good, like, and right. that's rarely the same as everybody else. It is um, IR based though in the forty CR though, isn't it? They, yeah, they, they, both they have are. a little digital thing on there, and then yeah, yeah, they both are. But you can't load your own IRs, and I don't understand why either of them would have done that. In this day and age, not loading an IRs that, so I, that USB port would have cost them a whopping five bucks. The Fender has a USB port. And nobody I can know, figure out I why. Know, I know. Why? Yeah, oh, for updating it. Diagnostics. It's got to be. But if you put it on there. It's listen, exactly what it's for. It, they didn't make this thing so I could take it down to my local amp tech and have him freaking hook it up. Like, oh, no. Like Napa no auto, auto. And, you got to go there. You got to go around here. You'd go to Midwest, uh, Midwest Audio Electronics and... Their certified technician would service your amp and charge you 150 bucks an hour. I got a I got a better shot at somebody fixing my Audi through that USB port. So anyway, yeah. the um, <clears throat> believe it or not, I hate to admit this because this is going to sound awful. Your Audi is still sitting there damaged, isn't it? Yeah, it, it comes back this week. No, the the oh. um, um, it it all the parts are on it. They're just um, doing the paint. They gotta they gotta um, bring it to the to the dealer to have test the. Because I have that, those detectors that tell me whether somebody's nearby. Well, it didn't do me any good. But anyway, the, the, um, <laughs> so anyway. Um, we're going we're gonna to have to ask about some things because there's some things in your background that I'm curious about. Anyway, go on. Yeah, the, the fact that I have no, no uh, uh, peripheral vision is one of them. But anyway, so <laughs> I, I, I hate to admit that the best emulated out I own, this is terrible. Is it the Roland Cube? No, yeah, no. <laughs> it, it's it's not as bad, but no, the 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 Spark. <laughs> I forgot you still have it. <laughs> it's I know I. It is for sale, folks. I am not it, kidding. It is stuck with you forever, Jim. Reach out to me through Facebook. You can find me. I'm Jim Woodard everywhere. God, I YouTube. told you not to buy that. Uh, I have it. Bad purges. I want to buy another. This is terrible. I want to buy another Katana fan. Katana 100. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. <laughs> no, I actually. 
<laughs> you heard it here, folks. Yep. I've already... <clears throat> but anyway... Oh. Um, oh, I'm dying. All right, so it, it, on a serious note, though, um, that's... And I have the bag for it, folks. It's been in the bag once. Do you, so. do you still have a katana, uh, katana uh, cover around there somewhere? Yeah, right over there. The, the, <laughs> um, didn't do me any good to give it in. Uh, what am I going to get a penny for it? Anyway, so um, the the <laughs> the emulated out on that thing is actually pretty. Uh, here's the thing about the the. This is what I want to say to people: if you're thinking about getting a Spark or you'd like to buy one, I have is this. If you're looking for a desktop amp, a practice amp for you, and you to play along with tracks, you to play along with whatever, and you to record yourself with said tracks, so long as they're not DMRC, DRMC, DMC, yeah, digital rights managed. Yeah, DRM. As long as they don't have the DRM, that it won't let through. And even then, you can just, like what we're doing right now, folks, you take OBS and you pump one side. Uh, <laughs> and you just, don't tell anybody. Yeah, just don't tell anybody. And then you just sync them back up. Um, it's it's great for that. You got the baby next, you know, in the next room, or you've got the puppy you don't want to wake up, or the neighbor. Still trying to tell the spark. No, I'm just saying that that if that's what you want, it's great. It really is. But I cannot can not get on with all of these wait oh, a minute wait a minute now i'm not good for having the baby in the next room okay yeah thank you hello i um, had a phone call for the captor yeah <laughs> it was telling me that it also is good at having the baby sleep the, in the room the there. captor and tenille i'm just talking about if you want to buy a little a little amp that you want to put some people like them because they're they're they work and they want to have them at work. And a lot of a lot of people, I know a guy, um, a, a doctor, an ophthalmologist or whatever, the ones that work on your eyes, um, who he had a guitar and an amp in his office. And a Les Paul and a, and a little Marshall, a um, little practice um, DFX or whatever those uh, the um, digital Marshalls were. But anyway, my, my point is MDFX, MDX, whatever. Um, if that's what you're looking for, this thing is great. And it's and it's perfect. You're gonna you're gonna travel with it. I got a bag. Um, you know, you're gonna take it to a coffee house, play by yourself, and, and then I've got it. But I wouldn't recommend it. That's that's the thing I cannot get on. I cannot understand all these YouTubers. Oh, it's the best practice app I ever had. I just boy anything. And I got rid of all my katanas and I sold them all. And I and I gave them back. I told boss, shut up the ass. I can't then, tell if he's being chased by wallabies <laughs> or guys in the big black plumage hats from from the Queen's Palace. Like yeah. I'm not really sure. I call, I'm going, going I'm going here. back and forth between my. Yeah, Aussie I'm not really sure how this works. I'm waiting for the New Zealander to come out. I mean, I I <laughs> I used to do this thing for our uh, friend of mine who lives in Wales, and he'd always tell me uh, to tell him that I like Iron City beer. Oh yeah, Iron City beer, but um. Yeah, it's a <laughs> country was that? <laughs> that that was Scott. They, you, but uh. but um, yeah, they, they, the problem is that uh, um, you know I, I can't get on with those people who say, "Oh, but it's it's a lot better than a katana." It's not better than a katana. It's not it's not a lot worse. 
It's not better. And you cannot gig with it. You cannot take it to your friend's house, set it next to the drums, and hear it. Not going to happen. And that, that at least a katana can do. I will agree. I think the katana that's emulated out is good, too. So, yeah. what it's worth. Yeah. And it's a decent emulated out. But the fact is, I'm going to buy the captor. I, I probably won't need the katana at that point. But this would help me pay for the captor. So, I don't, I don't mind. And if nobody buys it, hey, I've got a little practice amp. You know, and that, like, you didn't pay the full price for it anyway. I mean, no. that's, like, I, I can't imagine. So, that was my problem. Like, here's a practice amp. And it's, like, $400. I'm like, look at this. I'm 300 like, 300 through, it, uh, yeah, through um, Squeakwater. Okay. Um, 299.99. Cause I was just like looking at the situation and I'm kind of like, that's really expensive for a practice amp. Like I remember buying an MG15 or something. No, it was a box Pathfinder 15. And it was like 100, I think it was 150 bucks and I bought it back in, you know, 2000s. And you can still get eight inch speaker practice combo amps all day long for like, you know, a couple hundred or under under a hundred dollars, under two hundred dollars, not under a hundred. Um, and honestly, I think you get more mileage out of just a straight solid state amp in most cases. I know people are like, "Oh yeah, digital sounds better." It's you know, like it, it functions like tubes or whatever. But I want the immediacy. Like when I pick something, I want it to to you know, kind of push the speaker and do all the things that I I can. I even going back to when I was like a first or second year player, I could tell the difference between a solid state amp and a digital amp and it was it was just a, a latency like feel thing right and i can still do that now um it's harder for me to tell the difference between a solid state amp and a tube amp depending on how hard driven they are like if you take a solid state amp you turn it all the way up it's gonna sound bad you know um because the that solid state preamp is gonna clip and it's gonna or the solid state power amp is gonna clip and it's gonna sound nasty but like i it's hard for me harder for me to go that way than to take a digital preamp plug into it pluck a few notes and then go to a like a good tube amp pluck a few notes and they're getting better at it i'll say this like and what i mean when i'm talking about digital amps i'm not talking about the kemper i'm talking about like the katana the next tone like that ilk of stuff you know the sub 500 dollar like this is the the bread and butter of the digital companies kind of thing um you know i don't even know is line six even doing an amp anymore like they used to do the Spider series. I think the Spider Five is still out there, right? Yeah, the Spider Five is still is out that there. The only amp they're doing? Pretty sure, yeah. Because they used to do the DTS, and then they had like before that they had a plethora of amps. Um, I actually but have I think just gotten out of that business. I, I actually have in my um, saved stuff, and I haven't called this guy yet to ask what he's willing to do. But I actually have a flex tone too with the short board. They call it the short board, but it's actually, yeah, you know, yeah. It's um, the shorter, it's shorter, and it only has one expression pedal on it. Yeah, versus two. <laughs> um, it's not six feet long; it's five foot four. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, they, um, he's got it for two hundred twenty dollars, which is actually not bad. But I want to see it's if it'll bad. go down to hundred eighty. Is the twos go for more money than the threes do? That's what's funny. Because yeah. um, I sold my three. We talked about that. That's part of the reason why I have Kemper anxiety. Um, and I know that I've seen people locally buying the twos and paying more for them yep. um, over the over the threes. So well, it's, it's weird. 
So I just want to say this to Positive Grid Q, okay? Right now, they're selling the freaking um, uh, Spark amp with the bag. Oh, Black Friday deal. Free. No, it's still going on. So I don't know if you can call that. Well, you know what I mean. Like it's a holiday yeah. deal. Holiday deal. $254. And, it, and you won't get it until next Christmas. One thousand nine. I I love that they're they're doing the fake. There's only so many left. Numbering thing, again. Uh, One thousand nine hundred. How are they ever going to let freaking um, uh, Sweetwater take this over if they keep doing their only uh, their own direct sales, undercutting Sweetwater? As a matter of fact, Sweetwater doesn't have it listed anymore. That's what made me go look for it. Because it says if you look up Positive Grid Spark Amp on Sweetwater, it says. Call your sales engineer. All right. All right. I got to address the elephant in the room. What is the PRS back there? That's my custom 24 SE. Oh, did, did I never discuss that on the, on the show? Yeah, I don't think you told people that that came around, and I don't recall that coming around. Yeah, so oh, I told you. That's your custom 24 SE? That's my SE. So I... I Pick that. That's actually a sweet oh, you did tell this. No, you did tell us. It's just for whatever reason, it hasn't been hanging up. So. Oh, I think I've been blocking it. I think I've been sitting like here. <clears throat> and so, anyway, yeah, that, that's my 24. The, you can see it kind of even in this lighting and in this, um, in this terrible camera. That flame is incredible. I picked that, that specific one looks out good. of like a dozen. And... My uh, my sales engineer was very patient with me, and gave me a good that, deal. Again, that, ba that base next to it's pretty. Uh, that y'all haven't black. seen. There's it's pretty black. There's my. That, it's done black. Um, yeah. as, as they said in. Uh, um, well, no, it does have white binding on it, doesn't it? Yes, it has one white binding, and it shows every finger, every single fingerprint. Yep. Oh my god! What color guitar do I not have? <laughs> and there's a reason for that. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, uh, Merry Christmas. Um, so the, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the Aerodyne, that's a Fender Aerodyne. They call it a jazz. And the reason that I, I was like, why do they call it a jazz? should have jumped right out at me when I felt it. Uh, the neck is a jazz neck. So it's a jazz P. It's got a, you can't really tell because the, everything's black on it. Um, it's there's just no, a numbered black edition. It doesn't yeah. have pickup. It just like works. It has a black, yeah. It has a precision pickup right here. You can kind of see it. And then a jazz pickup right there. Volume for the for the precision, volume for the jazz, overall tone out. No markings at all on the fretboard. And uh, the frets are very small, giving it a very slick feel. If you don't like uh, like an almost fretless bass, you're not going to like that. Really nice. And it's made in Japan. Um, one of the few uh, Fender products made in Japan that we still get over here. So, uh, yeah, you know, and that, yeah, they have like a much bigger product line over there, but we actually get quite a bit from Japan. Um, it's it's kind of surprising to me because I was looking uh, the other day at a couple of different things online and I was seeing Country of Origin Japan. And I'm going, that's... Yeah, interesting, right? Um, yeah, the, so the, um, the Aerodyne, I, I'm talking about the base world. Aerodyne oh, yeah. and the Getty Lee, I think, which are both jazz basses, 
are the only bases, I believe. I could be wrong, and I know the Fender people can come in and tell us in the comments how wrong I am. Um, but I Jim's believe, always wrong. It's fine. I believe those are the only two general, um, uh, you know, run guitars that we, or I mean, bases that we have that are from Japan. That could be. Um, that could very well be. I don't. I don't really follow the bases. And they're in, they're in the same price range. They're in the eight hundred dollar so up the sub one thousand price range. I believe the I believe the Getty Lee is like eight fifty or nine hundred dollars now. We were talking today in the in the store about how different prices have gone for the new stuff in a relatively short amount of time. Um, and it's interesting to see the, um, the trend, the upward trend, and that comes back to what you were talking about, um, with your, with your, uh, thing. So, yeah, the Fender, the USA Giddy Lee, which, that doesn't make any sense, um, <laughs> jazz face. <laughs> I'll tell you why it doesn't make sense in a second. Um, is sixteen forty nine, but the Fender one is nine. Wow, it's even more nine twenty four. Um, <laughs> and uh, well, more than I expected. I expected to be an eight 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 fifty range. Um, and the Aerodyne, which is, uh, like I said, that's the one I like. Um, is let's see, I want to say. For some reason, it's taking a minute. Okay, eight twenty-four, so it's about a hundred dollars less. Now, it only comes in one color. You can get it any color you want as long as you want black, uh, and it's sold out at both places: Guitar Center. I got one of the last ones, and uh, Sweetwater sold out. Um, so the reason I I scoff at the Fender USA Getty Lee Jazz Bass is now, of course, again. The true fans can come and go after me, but I believe Getty Lee's, the whole thing was, his was a Fender Jazz. It was one of the first Japanese Fender Jazz basses, and he happened <laughs> to like it, if I remember correctly. I do know it was a, it was a Fender Jazz. Was something He likes the block inlay. It had the block inlays, and uh, they, they were black on white, which is why this one doesn't make any sense. The Fender... Um, USA model because it doesn't have the black block inlays. I mean, it has block inlays, but they're almost invisible. And it's it doesn't look like the other than the fact that it's black. It doesn't look like anything that anything like the one that Getty Lee played. Where Getty's um, it would more like the black one that is the uh, and of course it's more on the way, uh, but uh, with the black. Um, uh, block inlays. I think we should play a game. Yeah. I think we should just go over to Sweetwater site and I think we should just look for stuff that's actually in stock. Let's try it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, let, let's like, yeah, let's do so it. So far, I've not found anything. <laughs> like, like, okay, so let's go to Sweetwater. I'm going to do it now. Is it, you know, if I had the forethought, I would, I would share my screen, but I'm not good enough at this to do that. Um, I think I can do it. I think I can share my screen in here, but uh, let's see. Let me let me see if I can we'll add try, my we'll screen. Try, let's try electric guitars, right? Yep. 
let me see if I can add my screen to this. We'll, uh, we'll add my browser. I think that would be a fun game. That would be a good way to waste five minutes of the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to look. I'm going to pre-look at something, and then I'm going to have you look at it so you can laugh about it. Okay. Just That's not it. Uh-oh. I didn't want that in there. I got the wrong browser in there. Now, folks, um, I might have to clip this one out. Because it's hiding your face and it looks terrible. Um, <laughs> I'm not seeing yeah. nothing. <laughs> I know you can't see it. Remove. Yes, I want to. Hey, move let's that see, let's see. Well, that's not a surprise. <laughs> I found something in stock already. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And when, and you're gonna laugh when I tell you what it is. What is it? It's a Fender player lead three. Oh, jeepers. Uh, it's on, the only one available is the metallic purple, I think. And they have the, a demo model available, too. The Fender player? Yeah, the Fender player lead three electric. You know, because those guitars are so highly sought after. <laughs> Don't get me started. All right, let's look at, let's look at one that is... <clears throat> Pre-order now. <laughs> Not in stock. Uh, Pre-order now. Not in stock. The Dark Knight um, American Professional 2 Stratocasters. Pre-order now. Pre-order now. Yeah. They're... So they must have just gotten a, pl a player, um, an order of like player guitars in from Fender because these weren't here the other day. And there's a bunch in stock for like Telecasters. Just standard Fender Player Telecasters. Yeah. Um, there's four. It looks like to be four of each color. Uh, yeah. So that must have just. That's why they got those in stock. But as of last week, they were <laughs> they were plum out. Um, see what else they got. Too many back pages. I have to click here. How many Fender Jazz? Um. American Professional 2 colors that they come out with. Uh, obviously, all of them. Yeah, all of them at once. Let's look for... Let's look at PRS. Let's look at PRS SEs. Man. Because they're... Uh... I wanted to look to see if they had the, um, uh, the, the Fender... Uh, precision. Let me see if I can add my browser to this. Window capture. Right. I want to add my Chrome to it. Well, there's no Mark Tremonti's in. I can believe that. They do have custom 22s in vintage sunburst. Yeah. SC specifically. And and the Sapphire. I'll be darned. I think that's probably because many of their customers have probably been tipped off that, that new SCs are coming. Uh, yeah. I think that's... Um, Can't say what they are. 
but we have also been told, both of us, in various different forums, have been told that, that the new SEs are coming and that they're going to be spectacular. So Yeah. I'm, that's kind of why I wanted to look and see if the SEs were in stock, because it, yeah, they are. Even the Paul's guitar is in stock. I well, was. This was a crappy session. I no, crappy idea for uh, a thing to do. No 35, um, uh, 35th anniversaries, though. Yeah, that's not a surprise, though. They they are completely out of those. I tried to get one um, from that man from uh, Guitar Center, and it was, uh, it was a crapshoot. I'm um, literally giving my kids time on their computers during the podcast. This is wonderful. Yeah. Because I have the app for them. Yeah. So there's an app for them. Yeah, I'm just surprised. Uh, uh, we, like... Our cupboards were bare, so we had a person come in tonight, ask me the question, I thought you guys were going out of business. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> I've had several, <laughs> several people call me um, and ask me about that. Are we going out of business? Um, Is and this then, the, uh, the shit people say at Guitar Center segment? This is the shit people say at Guitar Center segment. Did it, did it, did it, did it. All right, here we are. Shit people say at Guitar Center segment. I got to come up with an intro for this. Yeah. So, as, um, as it's ending. <laughs> well, okay. So I had okay. Let's let's begin with shit people say at Guitar Center segment. What Jim said. I quit. Um, <laughs> and they were like, "Please don't." Believe it or not, I'm staying no, for I a little while longer. Um, they they said, look after the uh, after the first of the year, we won't have re- very many hours to give you for a while because. But we really need you to help us through the time. So what's going on is we have four people or five people out sick. Guitar Center has an excellent policy. If they if you think you've got COVID, you stay home. You stay home. And you isolate. So I think that's an excellent policy. The fact and here's why it's excellent. It's not because they tell you to stay home. It's because they're paying them to stay home. Yeah. Okay. That's number one. Number two, um, we have, so we have like four or five people out, and we have um, some uh, other stuff going on. Um, somebody went to their uh, honeymoon and some other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm in there, folks, almost 40 hours a week. And it's killing this old man. I mean, it is killing me. Um, I, I'm brain dead by the end of the day, as you can probably tell right now, because today I had an eight-hour day. Now, that said, you would think, well, sales are down. Well, I can tell you this. I'm not a humping salesman. And I've had two, and, and uh, if you want to know if that's good or not, uh, ask uh, Robert from Robert's Guitar Dungeon. We'll have to ask him to come on our number 200. Um, <clears throat> and uh, Robert can tell you, a $4,000 plus day for a person that doesn't even care if they make a single sale is still pretty good. I'm the kind of guy that goes, yeah, you can go over there and see that guy. <laughs> yeah, he'll help you. I really do. Um, I, I will say it again. I don't put food in any kid's mouths. I don't do it. I buy this. Look, look what I bought. I don't even have a record player. 
folks. <laughs> what are you doing, Jim? What the hell are you doing? That's what you got to ask when you go in there. Um, but on a, um, but on a serious note, I got a, I got a uridine, an aridine, whatever you call it, uridine, aridine, subidine. Um, I, I, I can't really say that that that. Oh wow, I, I really need to. No, no, I don't care. Um, so anyway, <clears throat> um, I, I'm sitting in there today, and somebody calls and they go. Uh, I get I, I can't tell you how many calls I get asking us when we're going to close. And the reason they ask us because we're going if we're going to close is because last week Saturday or two Saturdays ago, one of the two, I think it was two Saturdays ago. I think I worked last Saturday. Anyway, um, got a, um, I got a phone call because I was supposed to work, and they said don't come in. And come to find out. It was because somebody came up positive. So they didn't just say, you know what? Screw it. We're just going to. No, they closed the store for yeah, two days and they sanitized it from top to bottom. That's mm -hmm. so you could say a lot of things about Guitar Center right? I, and say whatever you want. That's no, they're trying to take care of their employees. I mean, and, and I know people are listening to this will argue and go, well, they're taking care of their employees because it's their own liability. And it's like, come on. At this point, like, I, it's just, like, what difference does it make? Right. If it's their liability to take care of their employees, at least they're doing the damn responsible thing. Right. And that's and that's exactly what I was going to. Is it, you know, look at how many companies are, are not. And so they're, they're doing their best. And they're trying to take care of you. They're protecting you by letting employees stay home, let them get paid. How many people, what's the real reason people come to work sick? Because they can't afford not to. So yeah, that, that or right, that or they've run out of their vacation days and that kind of thing too, which is like why I'm not going to be political. I was going to say something that I've you know. No, we're not going leave. to. Yeah, I'm just not. Going but the to. but the fact is, yeah, this ahead. this thing has been too politicized anyway. Like that's that's basically what this all boils down to is those like. Um, I've heard this from actually show listeners in the last week was people reaching out to me and we were talking about it. Um, actually, um, Tone Junkie got coronavirus while he was in California, uh, got stuck there with his family. Uh, I believe his entire family came down with coronavirus while he was there. Yeah. Um, this has been, this has been public. Like he's been talking about it. Um, they were stuck there for 14 days in an Airbnb, um, before they could leave. And I guess his dad contracted COVID-19 is in a, in a seriously ill. He's been in the hospital. Um, so, I mean, like, I was talking to some different people, some people that know about him and everything, and we're just talking about the fact that, like, this has been politicized, and it's just dumb. This should not be a political thing. No. Uh, this is a health thing, and quite frankly, politics and health don't mix. Nope. Um, nope, because, it, let's face it, money and politics are are... Um, something that, that that's why um, you know it comes down to can you really trust someone with your life when it comes to cash and I'd no. rather have no no, no. It, it should come down to someone now don't get me wrong you gotta pay a doctor but I'm just I saying mean, in this day and age 
people of people are like the the selfishness of of humanity right now yep. is like off the charts in our country at least. Exactly. The, the, the selfishness is just it's like another <clears throat> level. Um, but back to your you know guitar center. People should say yeah. guitar center. Yeah, so it's just funny. Um, uh, you know, I had someone call. It, it, these are the kind of phone calls I get for real. Are you ready? Do you have microphones? Do you have speakers? I mean, it's like... No. Yeah, I, I want to say uh, no. It's, yeah, you agree. You're almost short-timer syndrome, so I would just be sitting there like, nope. <laughs> Nope. I, what's a microphone? Can you explain? That to I me? literally, really, literally. I, well, my um, my manager comes up to me. I felt so sorry for her because she goes, she goes, uh, Jim, your your PCA count. That's the the um, warranty we sell. Yeah. Your PCA count is down. And I go, oh, oh no. Oh God! <laughs> you might have to fire me. <laughs> you mean you may have to let me go? And she goes, but we don't want to. I said, I know. <laughs> I got asked to stay. I gave my, I gave a letter of resignation. It had a date on it. <laughs> I was asked not to leave. Um, don't pressure me after you ask me not to leave. That's so I, funny. That's so funny. I cannot make people want more but, who won't can, can buy we, it. But here's the thing, right? So we were just talking about them doing the right thing with coronavirus. But here's them doing the wrong thing with coronavirus. They're going in the opposite direction. Now they're butting heads with their employees. Yeah. It's like, well, we need you. We can't have people quitting. But but then at the same time, it's like, oh, well, let's talk about your gross profit margin. Let's talk about you, you, your selling of, uh, of uh, warranties. We have – we have. Um, uh, I have to congratulate one of my um, uh, coworkers. Um, we have the person who – for the first time in the history of that store, sold a million dollars of the in a year, and the year was not even close to over. That was like in November. He built, he broke his million. Yeah, so, but th but this year has been like Titanic sales, which is what's funny about Guitar Center filing for bankruptcy, is that that like this has been the year to just sell, sell, well, sell for the right, music industry. So, so a lot of what a lot of people and I know you know this. A lot of people forget that Guitar Center is also music and arts, and music and arts wasn't open because people came in there to buy stuff. Music and arts right. was open because that was really where lessons happened, yeah. and a lot of those lessons were based on children, who um, children, adults, but mostly children, and mostly um, uh, orchestral lessons. So we're not talking about um, kids who want to learn to play ACDC on their SG. It's um, kids who want to learn to play Bach and Beethoven and everything else. Or their parents want them to learn to play Bach right. and Beethoven. <laughs> or jazz or whatever. Yeah. And so um, that's a hard one right now. Um, and musician's friend. Um, I said... I made the comment today because I was taking pictures of used gear, and uh, I said, "Has nobody listened to the customers? Are we not hearing them? Because they are begging us to give them decent pictures." You do know. I, I, all right, here's something that you should realize: if you really want to, if you have a piece of gear that you're really interested in, the Guitar Center, 
call and say, hey, can you send me pictures? Email me some pictures. Better they picture. Will. Yeah, and they will. Nine times out of ten, it'll be some somebody like me who doesn't give a sweet rat's patootie and will go take the best pictures they can take on their cell phone and email them to you directly. Mm-hmm. We, have a, we have another guy like that. We have a couple guys like that at my store um, who will go out of their way to make sure you get the most detailed picture in any way, shape, or form. Here's a funny story for you. Now, this is the do not wait, especially in this climate. Do not wait. If you think you like something, get it. Just buy it. Because um, this person asked me to take some pictures of a whale blue PRS CE24. Find one right now. I'll wait. You won't. Okay? I, 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 I'll I just... Yeah, I'm spoiler alert. Right now. <laughs> You're not going to find any new ones. That's probably the most common... or the, Not the most common color, but like the most popular color. Right. The most sought... One of, if not the most sought after colors of that guitar. You can find the trash green. I call it trash green. The Trampus... 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 Whatever green. Um, you can find uh, the... Uh, black that I had. It's like this one. Um, you can find a lot of colors, but the one you won't find is that, that blue, ocean blue or whale blue. So I took pictures of it. He asked me for pictures. I took four beautiful pictures of that thing. And by the time and you know, sent him the pictures, it was gone. No, no. And I said, there is not a scratch in it. Anything you see in there is just reflections of everything around me. You see reflections of the whole story. That's how mirror image that thing is. You can even see me in there. Um, front, front wasn't as mirror because it's a blue, but the back is a black, jet black. So long story short, the guy says, oh, yeah, I like them. Let me, let me think about it overnight. By the time he comes back, it's gone. It was sold the next, before he called him the next morning. Because yeah, he's, he's, in your, he's in your time zone. We're in the East Coast. It was gone before 10 a.m. his time. So it was not something to mess around with. And that's, a, um, you know, um, I don't know if you've noticed, Musician's Friend now has all the Guitar Center used stuff listed. So uh, that's a... I have it. I have it. I, I mean... I I'm just say. saying. Yeah, no, no, I I don't know a lot of people that go to Musician's Friend for things other than like... It used to be real popular. Stupid right? of the day. Yeah. That's pretty much the only reason anybody goes over there now. Yeah. Once guitar, so, once guitar Center started selling online, like I don't, I don't know if people really understand the genesis of why Musicians Friend existed, but yeah. it was because they wanted to be able Guitar Center, so they had brands that could not be sold online, like Mesa Boogie back in the beginning, Rickenbacker. Yep. Um, and as a result, what they did was they had Musicians Friend, where they could list anything they could sell online. And then they just kept the Guitar Center inventory off the internet. Um, I don't know if that was exactly the reasoning for it, but that was like a big part of it from people I've talked to that were involved back then on both sides of it. Um, and the, what was the other? There was another reason. Didn't I think at one point Musician's Friend was allowed to be the only online authorized retailer for, for brands like Mesa Boogie, Rivera, Rivera I think was one of them at one point. Um, and so Musician's Friend had that contract, but they couldn't compete with Guitar Center. Like, it was weird. 
they couldn't compete with Guitar Center or whatever. Now, now it's like we're not Neanderthals anymore. They're independent sellers that have access to sell things like Doctor Z and, and Mesa Boogie, and um, but there are pricing protections. Like if you've ever tried to buy a Mesa, you know that the price you see here is the same price you're going to see over there, and you're going to pay the sticker price. <laughs> like you're not going to argue that down. If you do get a deal on one, it's because um, somebody doesn't really care about their dealership. Because if, they, if Mesa Boogie finds out that they've done that, they get uh, they get uh, they get some trouble. They get they get in quite a bit of trouble actually. <laughs> and Mesa's Mesa pulled their you know their stuff out of Guitar Center. Do you think they care about pulling their stuff out of your mom and pop? <laughs> nope, they don't. Nope, <laughs> not in the least. So, and that's a you know that's a big thing. Yeah, I'm ordering one. Are you? So I'm going to be oh, waiting yeah, yeah. probably for months. Yeah. <laughs> what, on your Mesa? Yeah. Yeah. I can remember those days, you know, we're going to go back to those days at least for a little while. Um, I don't want, like, I don't mind waiting on a custom order, but like in this climate, it's like, when is it going to show up? Might be never. Um, and my biggest concern is like, with the instability of everything, now I'm buying from Good Time. I don't think Good Time's going to close by the time my Mesa shows up. Plus, I know people that work over there. Like, I'll hunt them down and get either my money back or get my amplifier when yep. it shows up. Um, that kind of deal. But, like, I my concern is that, like, in this climate, these stores could go belly up. And if you cut a deposit down on an amp that you've ordered, it's like... Well, there went uh, there went my deposit money. Oh, yep, that sucks. <laughs> so, fortunately, um, I don't think that's an issue where I shop, but yeah, it's it, it an issue elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that you're going to have any problems um, when it comes to uh, you know m most of these places where you're going to do deposits. Um, you're not going to have a problem with that. Uh, I had. Um, that's why, like, Guitar Center doesn't, when they take your money, they don't actually do a deposit. They refund your money, and then when it ships, they they do their thing. So you don't really have any problems there. I Personally, I, um, I think um, that we're, we're going to do, how do I say this? I think we're going to come out of it fine. But I don't know if music and arts is going to come out of it fine. Probably not. Uh, I do think I, I do think, think musicians' friend is going to fold. I think you're going to see probably musicians' friend fold. I think music and arts is probably condemned. I think that was done when they started doing lessons in the guitar center stores, um, because the the vast majority of the instruction that you were talking about for like orchestral music is done through schools still. Um, if you need a private tutor or something that's often done through college, you know? Um, and I would not be shocked if Guitar Center closes 50% of their stores. I mean, just based on the financial outlook of what they're outlaying, it, it doesn't mean that they're gone. They're still going to exist. They're just going to be smaller. Um, it, it, and actually that may make them better. Um, so I'm not really all that upset by that. And maybe they get, a, you know, the right leadership in place and they figure out a marketplace 
that works for them as a services vendor. Because the problem is, it's not just Guitar Center, like the stores. I know a lot of people will express their frustration, what it's like to go into a store and deal with people that are they're quote unquote experts, but don't know anything. Um, and like, I've heard that, that line many times. Um, I don't think that's really the biggest problem. I think the biggest problem is that they saturated a market like much like McDonald's and there really wasn't a market to support it. Um, cause if you're, so Jim, where you're at, you're, you've got two guitar centers within driving distance. Um, where I'm at, there's like seven. Yeah. When, when, um, if you consider an hour and a half apart, two hours apart driving distance, yeah. I would say 45 minutes would be reasonable. Oh yeah, we don't have any guitar centers yeah. that are within, unless you live yeah. like in the middle of those two. We have one in uh, Richmond, but we do have in Richmond we have two that are like right there. I could see one of them closer. We have seven. Seven. Within driving distance, there's Chicago, Arlington Heights. Takes me about forty-five minutes to get to Chicago location. Arlington Heights about twenty. Uh, Joliet which is, um, I guess it's Juliet Plainfield. That's, that's roughly 40 minutes. Um, i trying to think. Uh, there's one in Highland Park. Yeah. That's about 40 minutes. There's one in, what's that, Crystal Lake? That's 40 minutes. There's one in uh, Villa Park. That's like 20 minutes. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's like, like you said, there's like seven around here that are, that are very, very close. Um, actually, I think there's two in Chicago. I think there's one in, there's one that's like the flagship store here. And then there's one right outside of Chicago, like not Chicago, the, like right outside the loop, like outside Chicago proper. Um, so if you put that in perspective, like that's market saturation for what that is. Right. Um, and I think we're also dealing with another problem, which is that millennials such as myself are a lot more comfortable and people younger than us as well are a lot more comfortable just ordering a guitar off the internet and not going and putting their hands on it. Um, and getting, you know, something a little bit more generic actually. Um, and, and the brand name consciousness thing is like totally eroded with my generation and beyond. We don't care. I mean, my generation probably still cares about brand names, but my kids, they don't give a crap. Like they'll buy stuff off wish. Like it's no big deal to them. Um, and they don't anticipate having something of good quality. Like, I don't think their generation understands that that's why we used to do that. Because um, it's not that important to us. Like, well, I just need it for this three or four things and they can just go in the garbage. They're they're okay with throwaway culture. And that's yes. partially because they've been raised in throwaway culture, right? Um, it's not their fault. It's it's our fault, you know, because we, we, we set this up. Um, but my point is, this is going to hurt them because... They did. They were late to the game with online retail. When they finally got there, they're still sort of like on the cusp of like doing the things that they really need to do to make that work, which is to offer the used gear. Um, 
they they never wanted to become a used gear store. They always used gear was the way to get you in the door, and the new gear was the stuff they were trying to sell. Like that was always the way it was presented. Um, and I think that's also a big problem going forward for them, which is they really should have done. They really should figure out a way to do an about face. Because if you look at these other companies that are like trouncing them right now, the only one that I know that doesn't sell used really is Sweetwater, right? Um, Zounds doesn't. But Zounds isn't even like, as far as I'm concerned, it's not even com com uh, competing. American Musical Supply is not competing. Um, they exist, but they, are not, they, they exist on the strength of the several brands that they have that are not carried by Guitar Center or Sweetwater. Um, and I kind of, I think that the real competition that Sweetwater should be paying attention to and that Guitar Center should be paying attention to is like Chicago Music Exchange. I mean, how much of the stuff are they selling is like desirable used vintage? And that's getting people to buy new stuff from them too. And they're really, really good at it. Um, and they have their other equitable arm, um, which now is, I don't know, that that deal's sketchy. I'm, I'm still not clear exactly how this works, but Reverb used to be a part of Chicago Music Exchange. They were owned by the same person. And now the there is a equitable stake that is owned by Etsy. And it's kind of questionable as to whether uh, who actually owns Chicago Music Exchange anymore. Right. Um, it's not really publicly clear who owns CME. And my understanding is that there is no control from CME, but it seems kind of weird that CME still gets priority listings and still has their stuff like right up at the top and you know and all that so there's still something there um well they may I, yeah they may have that as a result of the, the i think um, it's a partnership rather than an ownership yeah with etsy yeah it's a possibility i um who knows i don't even think about when i think about buying a, i was just looking at these sounds because it was like i wonder if they got stuff and they have stuff funny yeah um, they do um that's one thing i was going to point out if you're like going into the christmas holiday and you need to buy gear or somebody yep. needs to buy you gear for christmas or whatever and they're having trouble finding like look at the off-brand retailers zounds is reputable american music supply is reputable um and you can still find stuff at those places so yeah and as you saw we can still find stuff over at sweetwater now apparently the hell it's like they got everything in right before christmas well yeah and they and so the other than the fact that Sweetwater is very centralized, um, the thing it's got that they've got over Guitar Center right now, I think, I think bigger than anything, is the allowance of, like, so I call my Sweetwater rep, right? And I'm not going to tell you how much he did for me. He gave me a great deal on this PRSCE, right? They give them a lot of power to negotiate over there. They give they give them a lot more leniency to negotiate. Now, whether that's due to uh, better training, better, uh, more trust. Um, obviously, when you have smaller number of employees, you get an easier way of doing that. So Drake, again, Drake get at Guitar, or I mean at uh, Sweetwater did a great job for me. Um, I can't complain. Um, and I got the, the exact guitar I wanted. Um, it, it's harder 
it's almost impossible guitar center for a couple of reasons. So here's what here's what happens with guitar center. So if guitar center has, let's say, ten PRSCEs, they're hanging on walls. Okay, they're hanging on walls. So they're they've been touched at least to come out of the box. Now Sweetwater takes them out of the box, looks at them. Hey, they look nice. They put them away. We've gone over this before, though. There's two there's two ways of looking at this. The reason you go to Guitar Center is you can see the damn thing. Yeah. And if it's hidden in a box, you don't see it. There's right. no way they're going to sit send somebody out there. They're not going to warehouse because that's what that's not. They're not going to warehouse stuff because that's what musician's friend is for. That's right. And so we could we could. Um, you know, Guitar Center, I say, uh, could go and take pictures and then put everything in boxes. And then if you want to see it, you get to walk up to a kiosk like McDonald's, pick out your freaking guitar, and then and then you go, there's there's no... But then you get the, the person that comes in there who spends hours and hours picking through guitars, picking, 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 picking. And then... On the way out goes, mm, I don't want any of those. They they all got touched by human hands. I want a new one. And you're looking at yourself going, You touched it. <laughs> you just did all that. I don't know how long that thing's been hanging You just hanging took it there. out of the box. <laughs> you're the only one that's touched it. Um, so. you, know what, you know what kills me? Like, about we're talking about that model. Um, It's easy when you're in a retail establishment to see this stuff going in and out, especially as an employee to see this stuff going in and out and go, man, that's a lot of gear going in and out of this place. But just remember, for every one guitar that leaves the shelf at Guitar Center, five or ten are leaving an online retailer. And that's because they don't have, you know, that's it, your location versus servicing the entire country at one place. Well, So I think actually yeah. like Sweetwater's centralized model in a lot of ways like fits the mode of the industry right now i think now is it going to stay this way who knows i mean I, yeah we don't know that well there's two things so you got i don't remember how many guitar centers there are there's a few hundred yeah um, it's like 300 or something 250 yeah. or something so if you take all these guitar centers i'm busting my home i'm not even trying okay and I must have my home. Think about the number of me's in Rapid, right? Mm -hmm. In 300 stores. And now you go to Sweetwater. I'm not saying they're not moving stuff. They're they're moving stuff all day long. I can't imagine how many guitars get pictured all day long. Because he was um, my rep was telling me about how that works. I'd love to see the inner workings of that, but. Um, my point is, <laughs> what's that? I have you, seen it. <laughs> you've seen it. Okay, so they showed you where they do the pictures and stuff. Yeah, um, well, there's a, a room and like we didn't go deep in there or anything, but the, but it's there. Yeah, I can't imagine how many guitars are getting their photos taken at a time or whatever. Um, yeah, but I'm not trying to say this one sells more than that one or whatever. I think when it comes to, you either like one. There's either. When it comes to local shopping, you either like Guitar Center or you like your local mom and pop. That's it. That's really it. Right. And right. when it comes to not minding online sales, I think you probably go to Sweetwater. Um, yeah, I, think, I mean. I think because not only do they handle it well when it comes to the pictures, 
unless you're looking for used gear. Right. Um, uh, when it comes to the pictures. And your personality. Sorry, the personalities are there right there. I mean, I know Drake's name. I don't work I don't work with anybody else. I work with Drake. Drake Celebrant. That's it. And I, I I call in, I leave a message for Drake. I can put an order in and it's gonna go to Drake. I know he's gonna get credit for it. Um so if I order Captor X or whatever, Drake's gonna be the one that, that makes the sale, right? Um the but the the um, the point I'm making here is that we do have it's it's hard for me as a 50 something year old person to think I could have bought that guitar you know I pointed my Les Paul for the people listening I would have bought my Les Paul and things would have worked out the same okay it first of all the color the, we, we've gone through that story. Um, the weight on it, that's a relatively light Les Paul, um, especially for a 50 standard. Um, it's, uh, there, there's a lot of things about it I love. That if I had been looking at the same price, I won't tell people what I paid for it, online, let's say I was looking at it for $24.99 online, at $24.99 in a store, I don't think it would have pulled me as hard. Um, and, and the other side of it is, and this is where, where like what you were saying, Mel, I can't imagine falling in love with a Chipson, but I know people my own age, by the way, who have, with a Chipson of the <clears> same <throat> caliber. And I'm thinking to myself, because I'm the guy, right now I'm thinking to myself, maybe I should just get an Epiphone Les Paul, get a hold of Nick, say, Nick, Make me make me some magical freaking pickups, because the Les Paul or the Apple uh, pickups, I think they suck. So send me two magical pickups, and then can I pull them out, put them in, and say, "Yep, that's that is finally the Les Paul I want." No. Can that happen? No. Yeah. See. No, and 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 I'll tell you why though, but. but... So and you're not putting down um, Nick Bonkers. No, 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 not pickups, at all. Um, it's not about pickups. Like it's about construction, and they're not the same. Um, but, but here, let's 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 back up to what you're saying, though. You're talking about in your experience, you couldn't have done this, you couldn't have done that, and this is an empathy question, yep. right? Mm -hmm. And that is like, yeah, I mean, I I don't want to buy stuff online, but I will. And so I'm kind of like straddling the line and I'm looking at it and I'm going, this is the pig in the poke argument, but I'm like, it's not that I've changed and maybe I have a little bit. Um, that's possible, but I certainly understand that there's a hell of a lot of people that do not agree with, with that sentiment, like your sentiment that are just like, nope, I want it easy. I don't no. want to have to pick. Yep. I, I can see the weight right on Sweetwater's site. I get a picture of what the top looks like. Yep. That's all I really need because I'll just take it to my luthier and have him fix everything on it. Yep. Um, that's wrong with it. I, and I, oh, Yep. I mean, totally agree. I, I, <laughs> totally it's, agree. It's so funny because it's like you basically commit to the fact that, yeah, there could be problems with this guitar, but like it can be fixed by my, by my tag. So yep. it's not a big deal. Yeah. And again, I, I you know, when it comes to me, I don't mind like amp one. I'll order my amp one and come in. I don't care. 
That's gonna that's gonna sound the same as every amp one that comes through the to the door. Um, and uh, when I uh, get my JHS pedals, I don't need to say, oh, I wonder if this series three pedal is better than that series three pedal. It's not like a clon. Um, I'm I'm just gonna get it and it's what gonna about, and it's gonna be the same. What about your hand wired amp? Yeah, well, that's different. I mean, don't you think? I could be wrong, though. See, I'm the guy who could be wrong. I, I totally, totally will, will say um, with 100% with admission that, that maybe... If, uh, okay, let me say this. Let's say the hand-wired amp was... Does Milkman do the hand-wired thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Point to point, I think, and... Or turret boarded or if I if I order let okay uh, let's let's take your amp I don't know that's not hand wired but it's it's good um, analogy I believe it is actually hand wired okay but it's, well, it's just built on a circuit board yeah let's just take your uh, yeah it's it's built on a um, uh, what do you call it board so let's take your amp for example right um, you're gonna order that sight unseen you're gonna you're gonna get that in and I can bet money. That's going to be an awesome amp. I mean, it's yeah. going to be what you know it will sound like. It will be... I mean, look, at my DSL-40, I could buy 50 DSL-40s are going to sound almost exactly alike. These, these um, uh, Fender... Yeah, your DSL... Well, I mean, your digital stuff. I mean, that's why I said, like, a, a hand-wired amp. If I was going to buy Dr. Z... Yeah. No. Granted, I'm like I'll, I'll, I'll I want to back up and preface this argument for people that don't necessarily understand. They're not in the high end tube world and like they don't they don't understand what we're talking about. Right. So there are three different styles of amp construction. There's point to point, there's um, turret boarded, and then there's circuit boarded amps. And circuit boarded amps and turret boarded amps were kind of a means to an end because back in the early days when like Fender was building tube amps out of the RCA manual, um, they would just be like. The components literally just like touching each other and then soldered together and then you know isolated from the board um and i'm sure there are some things here i'm leaving out but the but basically the point is like circuit boarded amps are generally going to be the most like consistent um in the sense that like the circuit is not going to have flaky stuff going on with traces and things like that because the circuit board is printed now um and every electronic circuit, you have components like capacitors and resistors and things like that. And when you buy them, you buy them to a certain tolerance. So like when you order from Mauser and you want to get a bunch of resistors, you you actually select like 1% or half a percent yep. or a quarter percent tolerance. And basically what that is, is like, that means that there's going to be some variance on the value. So your 22K resistor might be 22.17 yeah, or 22.1. But yeah. the vast majority of them should fall in the proper range that you should be able to get away with them in your circuit. Usually, when you're when you're designing a circuit, you you specify what percentage yep. you need. And that's what. Okay. Yep, and that's what Josh Scott was talking about, like of these earliest pedals, um, and boards too, by the way, but specifically pedals. When he was talking about it, he said, back then, we're talking the '60s. These things were twenty per twenty percent. Was it yeah. was it acceptable? So if you bought a two hundred ohm resistor, it may be two hundred twenty ohms. It yeah. might be a hundred eighty ohms, and yeah. it could be it's anywhere nuts. in between. Yep, yep. And and you know the funny part and the thing that people are starting to realize now, you know, guys like Reinhold Bogner figured this out when they were when they were taking apart people's Marshalls and stuff, yep. was that 
the it wasn't the component drift because that's something that happens over time. Like cats change values over time and things like that based on how much circuitry flow, or how much electricity flows through the circuit and everything. Yep. But what they found out was um, that those tolerances, the the blueprinted values, often sound like crap. Yeah. Um, and that the good ones were the were, ones that were like in a very specific category yeah, of like too much here and too little here. And so they start writing these da- values down and that's how you get things like the Bogner ecstasy, yeah. which is basically like a plexi that's been modified to all hell, but also basically has like the best components of the plexis that he'd seen. Um, right. So here's why this is, this is relevant to Jim's conversation and the hand wired thing. So, when you're buying from somebody like Dr. Z and he's doing a, um, he does a turret boarded amps, I think. Yeah. They're, they're perf board or turret, but they're not, so they're not perf board, but, um, so they're, they're not, they don't use a printed circuit board. The components are joined together and there's like these little thing standoffs that they're all joined on. Um, and that was really harkens back to the way that Leo Fender was building amps in the tweeds and the, in the blackface era from like, 64 to you know 71 that was really the way they were doing it. actually it was they were doing that all the way up to 1985 i think um so the reason why that's important is because lead dress which is the wiring and how it's arrayed inside the amp and how it's laid out makes a difference in the tonality of the amp believe it or not and then, of course there's the issues with variance in, in componentry and these guys today, like, kind of, they're building more consistent versions of what was being done back then. Yeah. Um, they're buying the 1% tolerance parts and stuff yeah. like that. And oftentimes they're buying them and sorting them themselves, too. Yeah. Um, and so even if they're buying 1%, they're finding the ones that are closest to what they want, and they're using those. Um, and I, I think, personally, any new production amp you buy is going to be pretty damn close. It doesn't matter whether it's a Dr. Z hand-wired thing, a Benson, a Milkman. Yep. They're go- or or um uh what's the other one? Um that Morgan. Um Morgan. any of those style amps are going to be pretty damn good. Like they're going to it doesn't really matter. But here's where I think the distinct difference between you and I Jim is. When I buy a piece of gear. I sort of feel like this is a tool. And if I really get to know it, then it will be invaluable and I will bond with it. Whereas you want to bond with it from day one. And so it's harder for you to be able to like, say, I'm going to risk this and then see if we work out. Whereas you've seen me buy shit and just sell it. Yeah. Cause I'm just like, no, it just didn't work. It, it's not what I wanted. Um, and I don't have any, like, I try to do that used because I'm not dumb um, and try to do it, you know, in the cheap way because you, you got to try stuff out. And we're now in this culture where you can't go to the store and try out the weird pedal that you're the only person that's going to buy one. You know, um, you have to order it. And if you don't like it, sell it on Reverb. Yeah. So I, I totally understand your position. I don't disagree with it. I just think that that's that's like where the logic shift is, right? Yeah, oh, I, I, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, where we disagree, 
But it's not that we disagree. I shouldn't say it that way. No, that's no, not a, we don't disagree. We just approach it totally differently. Right, right. And and you're you are absolutely one hundred percent correct. You are you are absolutely one hundred. When I picked up these these instruments that are hanging behind me, with the exception of PRS, um, every one of them, I picked it up to see if that was the right one, and. The funny thing is the, the Aerodyne, which kind of falls outside of all of these, the Aerodyne, it showed up at the store. I had the precision. And the Aerodyne showed up at the store, and I said, hmm, I kind of like having a jazz bass in the bridge and or, or jazz pickup in the bridge. And I thought, let's give it a shot. So I plugged it in. I played it for a few minutes. Um, and I said, Yep, I'm gonna buy that. And I did not wait, folks. I put it. I put it. I bought it right then that night. Um, I said, I actually went up to my manager and I said, I'm buying this, putting it on layaway, take it off, take it off stock. Um, and then I picked it up the next morning. I brought the other one in and did the swap out. Um, and I, and with my layaway money, I still had money left over to buy these albums. <laughs> so um, the the fact is that. I wanted this bass badly enough that I knew it, it. The same goes with the Les Paul. I I've told the story before. I had it on layaway, and Gibson said we may have to take it back. They were like the Grinch that stole Christmas. They were like, we may have to take that back here, and we'll fix it there, and bring it back to you here. And I was like, no, you're not. And I'm taking it home. Um, you know, and uh, how dare you add ten pounds to the finish? <laughs> sons of so, and that might, you know, you, you, you say that jokingly, but obviously it is light. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the B, I had to go try. I had to go to the guy's house and pick it up, jam it. Um, and, uh, you know, the SG, the same thing. I, the, the point is um, that um, every one of these, if it didn't feel like it was going to work with me, that moment, in that moment in time, and I know, and you, you can, you will be the first one to tell me this, and I already know this. This is the logical. There's the logical side of me, and then there's this side of me. The yeah, logical Jim's side emotional me, side basically dictates what he does. He right. doesn't have like the logical side that's like you idiot. Like you're just you're you're romanticizing a piece of trash. Um, yep. Piece of wood and, with some wire in it. Yeah, so like you and Jack White actually have more in common than you think you do. Yeah, that. Dang hippie. Um, <laughs> wow. What a hippie. Um, listen, I was a, I have been a hippie my whole life. Um, my, uh, um, my thing about, uh, and I agree with you, 100%. It, a part of my brain goes, you know what? Like when I had that bottom ass of Les Paul, part of me went, well, you know what? Um, you know, Nick said he'd make a great set of pickups. That's really all I don't like about it. He'd put some pickups in here, and I'd be all right with it. Part of Jim goes, this is a real Les Paul custom, and then the other part of him goes, this is an Epiphone. Like, stop it. <laughs> well, no, I mean, yes and no. Yes. Yes. 100% yes. And no. In the no is that, that it was an Epiphone Les Paul, but it wasn't terrible. It was actually a nice Epiphone Les Paul. They don't make bad guitars. Nope. Like, 
I, you know, and, the, and here's here's the distinction, right? So like, we've got we got a lot of listenership that's into like inexpensive instruments, and yeah. that's perfectly fine. Um, I I have said this to many people over the years, and I don't want people to think that I'm being pretentious, but it's going to sound pretentious anyway. So if you think I'm being pretentious, so fine, go for screw, it. Screw you. Um, <laughs> I. I liken most of what you get from Guitar Center, like off-the-shelf Fender Gibson Epiphone Squire kind of guitars to, like, Fords, Chevys, you know, domestic cars. Um, and then you got Ibanez, which is, like, you know, your Honda. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the the other companies that say, like, Schecter, which is your Toyota, you know, and those, like, different... Different car companies. I mean, it's kind of weird because like Toyota probably should be with like Ford and Chevy. And who's the who's the um uh, let's say so who is the um, the Yugo of the, <laughs> the probably like uh, probably like what's the what's the current Guitar Center house brand? I forget what their what their name oh, is. Like oh, that's a one? Yugo basically. Yeah. Yeah, like Laguna or somebody Laguna. like that. Laguna, yeah. Okay. Laguna. Yeah. Um. So what I buy generally are like Porsches and Ferraris and Lamborghini type guitars, right? Like I'm not, I'm not interested in the thing that can get me from point A to point B. I'm interested in the thing that allows me to like ramp up and do ridiculous stuff that I probably don't need to be able to do. Um, but that's what, that's what excites me, right? But you do do it and, and it's good. You're good at it. Listen, I'm just pointing out like that's what excites me, and that's the, that's why I'm trying to avoid being pretentious. Is like, well, I have to have this because I can't do the things that I do without this. That's not true either. I I could pick up an off the shelf Telecaster or Stratocaster and probably just go ham on it. Um, but it's it's certainly nicer and easier for me to use a really expensive guitar. Look, right? I could have, yeah, I could have just as easily picked up a four hundred dollar um, on sale. Um, Gibson, or I mean, no, Epiphone Les Paul. The day I bought this one, right? I, I mean, why didn't I just get? Um, didn't they come out with the prophecy uh, flying me? I could sell this wall and replace it with almost a, what a quarter of the cost with the exact same stuff. Well, and I'm also the guy that like. I'm this also the guy. That, I'm also the guy that points the big middle finger at people who have like 50 guitars on their wall, and they're all Epiphones and Squires. And it's not that I'm giving you the finger because like you only play Epiphones and Squires. It's because you've got 50 guitars, and I don't understand that. I I honestly don't like. I only want like four or five. Yeah. I mean, I just want to be able to pick up a guitar and be like, "This is You're the playing. guitar," you know, and and. I don't need to worry about like, oh well, for that song he played a red one. Like, what yeah. the hell? Who cares? I, I mean, we we've said this before. I see these YouTubers, and there are some of them that just have Epiphone and Squire and um, dozens Harley Bitten and that, and it's like there's there's a wall. I mean, if I if I wanted to, in two months I could fill all these walls. With, I mean, I, you and guitar. I, you and I, with with the, with the collective gear that that we have separately, 
and I valued mine. So I know how much my stuff's worth because I, I, I'm like a stockbroker. I got a list of everything I got, what I paid for it, and then what I can get out of it right now. Right. Um, and most of that's for insurance purposes. Some of that's because it's like, well, if the price drops, like I want to get my money back out of it. Um, I can tell you that I could buy at 450 or 500 bucks for, for an Epiphone Les Paul standard. I could buy 20 of them. Yeah. Maybe more. Yeah. At any given time, I could sell all my crap and buy 20 Epiphones. Why would I do that? I, it just, um, what, what pisses me off is the, if, is this pill that a lot of these guys want us to swallow is that, oh yeah, I play these every day. Oh, bullshit. What do you do? Play that one for three minutes, play this one for six and a half minutes. Blah, blah. I, I have a hard time playing two of these a day because I'll play I the same one for an hour and a half. I actually. That, that's irrelevant to me. That's irrelevant to me. As a player... No, I'm just saying that, I, that, that they're trying to make people believe you got to have the, these because look at how they're many... They're trying to justify the fact that they have this gigantic collection for themselves. Yeah, they got to like, have that, that confirmation. You know, if, you, if you feel like you need justification, then... Then maybe you shouldn't have you, done it. Well, it's not maybe you shouldn't have done it. Maybe like you need to really, really, you know, like stop and take yeah, a mental reassess. health evaluation, right? Reassess yourself and ask why you care what other people think. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be legit honest right now. If people wonder had, why I'm I, bending over because I'm putting my shoes back on, I take them off every now and again because my feet get hot, and then I because I'm in an office outside in the garage. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I, go ahead. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get legit like real with our with our listeners tonight. Um, I know we're getting towards the end of the episode. Yep. Um. It's worth mentioning this. So I've gone back and forth on selling the Kemper several times in the last year. Yeah. Um, that was like not a, a new thought. Um, I think that thought crossed your mind the first time. And I don't, I don't want to uh, 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 tell me it didn't cross your mind at all. The minute the freaking Kemper stage hit the floor, even if you. Oh, it did. No, it did. It did. And, and actually the first thought was like, well, I should sell this and get the Kemper stage because that's the right form factor for me. Um, but but the, here's the here's the the rub. Right? So I and and you can go back. You can listen to like maybe ten episodes back. You'll see my depression and my anxiety and my anger and stuff rolling around in these episodes. And I'm like bored. And I'm and I I I watched one the other day, and I was like, what the hell was I doing? And you can tell. I'm sure if you watch the first fifteen minutes of this episode, you can tell I'm a different person right now. There's a reason for it. And I want to make it very clear to our listenership. I don't care what you think about me. Right. I really don't. Um, I've gotten to the point where I was making decisions based on like, man, people are going to call me a hypocrite. People are going to do these. Oh. Like, I don't care if you think I'm a hypocrite. I actually don't. Like, I, I, I had to get real with myself. The last couple of weeks um, when I did announce that I was going to sell the Kemper on the show, like, I knew people were going to come out of the woodwork. That was not something that, like, I hammed up either like people did come out of the woodwork um but i want to make it very very clear to to our listenership i'm forging my own path and if i need your approval like i'm doing it wrong right um because right and, and, and there are definitely times where i ask for opinion or expert knowledge and i'm not afraid to do that like when we talked about acoustic guitars we did an episode where i basically meant hey i don't know anything about this um and I'm not going to be an apologist either for like when I say something stupid 
and don't know something, but it's based on experience. I, I want to say it's this based one. on being an idiot. That's one thing. But if it's based on experience, like, no, I mean, in my experience, like, I think it really is this. When, um, when you went to get your acoustic, you did all the right. You know, you haven't bought a lot of guitars since we've been on the show. I don't buy a lot of guitars. Um, the unicorn was for... I'm not a hypocrite. Right. The unicorn <laughs> was for a joke. Okay. Yeah, um, I mean, it was a show. It was a show stunt prop, you know. Right. Um, the the um, I've still got to do something like that. I bought. Um, remember, I bought the Ibanez AZ. You bought the that AZ. That went right back. That went right back. God help anybody. I got so, and you got the um, the Kiesel, which was Kiesel. partially a show purchase. Like, yep. don't let anybody don't let anybody think that the wrong way. That was partially a show purchase. Yep. Um, and uh, the 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 Golden was definitely a show purchase. Yes, but that's a staple guitar now. Yep, the good uh, Um But your your two your two Stallworth guitars are still right there, and that's your yeah, Stratier, dude. I'm still playing my S five hundred is like still number one, you know. And, um, and I've had that guitar for like six years now. Yeah, seven yeah. years, seven years. I've had seven years. Yep. Um, it replaced my previous number one. Exactly. And I sold it. I think while I think right before the show started, that's when I sold that one. Yeah. Um. I've had that one right. forever, by the way. But like Jim, you've had like eighteen guitars go in and out in the yeah. time that we've done the show. Yeah, um, and three years that we've been doing this. And yet, since I've been here in this house, um, the last two years I've only lived here going on three now. So for the most of the time that I've been in this house, this this is stabilized. This wall has stabilized, and it's and it's becoming more stable. Um, so the uh, I had a lot of depression going on. Yeah, dude. And I tried to fill that depression with movement of gear. With things. Because I went from a Marshall DSL-40 to a Marshall DSL-40. Yeah, I, re I, I remember that conversation where Dimon had a side conversation going. He was like, I'm not happy with my gear. He was using a Hughes and Kettner. And he had bought the Hughes and Kettner because he was in a band and the other guy didn't like his Marshall. And so he went and bought a Hughes and Kettner and then he played it for like two years. And I'm like, the whole time he hated it. I could tell he hated it. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, I like this. I like this or whatever. And then one day he's just like, no, I need to do something different. And I did. And and what's funny is I went to back to, well, I went to the Amp 1 and I went to Marshall. And, and I did not dislike the Amp 1. Another, I, listen, uh, this is what I, this is the promise I've made myself. Um, is that, you know, the only the only reason that, that the bass changed was because I actually went from a bass I thought I liked, didn't like, to a bass I knew I liked, did like, but liked this one more. And it was not, I didn't lose a penny. Each one was just a return. Because somebody said, didn't you sell that? I go, I, I made it very clear. I did not sell that base. I returned that base. I was well in my return period. I was two weeks into things and I was not gelling. I, I was not gelling with the way that I play bass with it. Um, and so I went to the Aerodyne. The only reason I've gone to the Aerodyne is because I had, they don't make what I loved anymore. And that was a, a American um, 
deluxe uh, precision five string. And it's still and there's only one, one for sale right now. It's on eBay, and the guy wants 3300 and he's got 67 watchers. He's had several people make offers. He hasn't taken one yet. So I don't think he, I think he'd laugh in my face if I offered him two for it. So it's not going to happen. And so um, I said, all right, well, I, I'm going to live with the Aerodyne until I get that. And even then, I'm just going to keep the Aerodyne as my second base. But I'll get one. I'll just eventually, one will turn up on Reverb for a reasonable price between sixteen and 1800 And then I'll buy that. Well, I bore the, the um, I'm glad we're doing this as we get towards episode 200 too. Yeah. Because um, I could just see me having a blowout with our listeners at 200 which would just be it would just not be good because um I, I i'm not saying that i blame our listeners for anything like i it's my fault right like i went down this path of thinking like i need to represent the show i need to be the practical guitarist like i need to do the practical thing yeah you did I the one year, of no, year gear. of no gear like what the hell was i thinking um i know what i was thinking see this is the this is the stuff that goes outside the show that people don't realize like I, the year prior to the year of no gear, I probably spent $4,800 that I did not have on gear. Um, and I said, this has got to stop. So that's why I bought the Helix. And then it was like year of no gear. Cause I can't do anything with this anyway. Um, and then, cause, cause like I, I wasn't going to blow more money. Um, and then we did the, I bought the Kemper. And if you remember the Kemper purchase was supposed to be a two year purchase. Like, if you're a long-time listener of the show, it was supposed to last me two years. It almost did. Um, it would have had to make it to, like, June, right? Yeah. Um, but here's, the, here's the, the rub, right? When I was looking at the Kemper at GearFest, and I'm not blaming anyone because there were the people who were there with me, um, I had said on the show, this is what I was going to walk away with. This is what I was going to do. I was going to walk in with this and I was going to walk out with this. And I had this whole deal planned out and um, I played some other stuff. Uh, I could have walked out with a Mesa triple crown and I could have walked or a Dr. Z Nova. And I actually thought you were going to get that. Yeah. I thought that those were the one of the two things we were going to walk out with. When you actually walked out with the Kemper, I was shocked. I was totally um, shocked. This year is not over yet. Uh, Anyway, um, and I don't feel like even walking away from, it, I made the wrong decision, but I don't think I made it for the right reasons because even as we were playing it, I'm thinking like, yeah, this is pretty, you no, know, this is really good. This is like way better than the helix. And that's what was going through my mind. This is way better than the helix. What should I have been comparing it to the experiences of the other two pieces of gear that I had played? That's right. And realizing that even if I didn't want to buy one of those other two pieces of gear, maybe I should have sat on my money yep. and I should have walked away and been like, I got to wait for the right amp. Yep. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at right now is like, even though I'm walking away from the Kemper, I'm being very, very careful not to like fall into the trope that I've done before, which is what is going to be best for the show. Like, in other words, what is going to be best for me to like talk about on the show and what is going to, what is going to get our ratings uh, a little bit of a bump yep. and do, do this kind of things. I got to do what's right for me. 
and I cannot continue to do that. And like I, I, I felt so embarrassed the other day. We were, uh, I was at Good Time. I was talking with Pat, the owner, and um, he said, "Well, so what? We you know what happened with the Kemper, like." And I basically said, "It's just not doing it for me anymore." And he goes, "He goes, well, what was? What didn't you like about it?" And because uh, he's he actually likes Kemper, um, and I I told him. I said, you know what? It really wasn't the Kemper per se. It was like, I've got all these great tones in there, but I said, none of them are perfect. And I said, I'm like, I'm still chasing that perfect profile, that perfect thing. And like, I'm realizing that the means to an end is probably not in the digital realm. And, And I said, plus, like, I feel like a complete idiot because... I should have done this a while ago and moved on. And like, he's like, well, why didn't you? And that's when I told him, I was like, well, I'm, I was concerned about what other people were thinking. Yeah. Like, and I didn't want to get called a hypocrite. I didn't mm-hmm. want to drag the show's name through the mud. And like, I realized now how stupid that was because here I sit, you know, I'm in a better, much better mood now, but the authenticity side of the show, which is that's honestly, that's our biggest stock and trade. Like, I feel like we're having a behind-the-scenes discussion, but we're not. Our biggest stock and trade on this show is we're authentic. If I don't like what, what Philip McKnight's doing, I don't, I'm not going to blow smoke up his ass. Um, right. I've never done that on this show. Nope. Uh, and the same thing with, with you, Jim. Like, I've made it very clear. There are certain YouTube personalities that if I see them in person, I'll probably just punch them or, like, say something angry to them because I just don't like them. The Toad uh, King. To- the Toad King specifically. <laughs> we did a whole episode where I just ripped that guy a new one. Yeah. Um, but, th- but that's always been our strength here is the authenticity. And yeah. I had lost that because yeah. I was too, I was so concerned about something I had said and the fact that that was going to alienate listeners or make people think that I was a liar or that I was a hypocrite. Yeah. And it, and it buried me on this show. It yeah. really did. Um, because I let that dictate my decisions and gear buying and like what I was doing. And, and it got me to the point where, um, you guys have seen me do this resurgence, like. I'm just going to woodshed. I'm going to woodshed my ass off and I'm going to work really hard at playing over and over and over and do the same things and just get really good at the guitar. And that was a reaction, an angry reaction to the fact that I felt like I was trapped. Um, it's been a good, healthy outlet for anger, but that's what that was. Yeah. And so now I'm like, I, I'm a better player. You know, it's like, it didn't hurt me to do this, but yeah. it was, it's definitely a learning experience. I have to be very like, I have to be more present and aware of that, um, uh, aware of my needs, not, not just as a player, as like an individual in general. Cause I can see myself, like I've, I've talked to my wife about doing a political podcast. I've talked to my, I've talked about doing some other podcasting stuff. And it's like, I have to be very, very careful because I am a person that even though I, I let it all hang out. I'll say awful things. I get in trouble for it. Like, I know that I can't run for public office. Somebody will dig up this show. <laughs> um, and and I'm kind of like looking at the situation and I'm like, do I want to do this? And how? what's the personal toll going to be? Because well, I, now I know, like, I have to be me. I cannot I would, be me. I would be your pendant. So before we get down that road, I want to say something. So this guitar is going to go away here in the next few days. But that's not mine. That's my son's, and that's the reason it's going away. So the red Stratocaster's leaving. This one, I like the guitar, but I've been thinking about the fact that I only want, I want to go down to three. Yeah. So that's 
That's really where if the PRS leaves, it's not because I don't like the PRS. It's because I'm thinking about going to three for a while. And, and the, the V won't leave because of different reasons. But the, but the truth of the matter is, I've been thinking about going to three. I, I mean, I can't, I can't count, count the bass and the acoustic completely. Two different things. They stay out for that. Well, I can't. I mean, like, just because I've had this, like, bombshells here tonight, I have to say the same thing to you, though, Jim. Don't make decisions and don't worry about what people think of what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. I mean, and that's, well, again, I busted your balls on this show so many times for having like 18 guitars go through your hands. Nope. But like, we've all done it. Right. It's something or another, we've swapped out like dozens of them. How right. many fuzz pedals do you think I've gone through? I mean, it's, I, I actually sent a list. I, I put together a list of all the pedals I could remember owning. And yep. there was like a hundred and something pedals on that list. And I sent it to somebody and I was like, yeah, this is, I think, everything I think I've owned. And I went through and I started checking stuff off. Like this pedal is this pedal is this pedal, you know. And there are certain circuits that I've owned like maybe eight or nine times. <laughs> I, I only say what I said because of the fact that um, there are things I need versus things I want. And this is a want. And the captor is a need. And I kind of want to focus myself on needs versus wants because I've been thinking a lot. When you just mentioned the, the and folks, we're over our two hours. We thank you oh. for joining us. But if you stay, there's more. But wait, yeah. there's more. There, there's always more. <laughs> I've been thinking Come about on, you might see me cry. I've never cried on the show. I've been, <laughs> uh, I cry. Afterwards. The, chance, the chances um, of me, yeah, I know me too. The chances of me crying on this show are like zero to nil. Uh, I don't cry. I don't cry. I, I've cried at one funeral. Like, <laughs> exactly. I just, I just don't cry. I, like, it's just I, that's something that happens. I've only been to a couple funerals, so let's just say that. Um, what I was about to say is this, is the, and, and it's I think it's important. Um, so I've been thinking about doing a political podcast. But I worry more about what it will do to the show than what it would do to me. Um, oh, I have a solution for that, Jim. Well, we can talk we, about it. We do a podcast that, where we're pundits. I Because definitely our points of view do not match. I am going to wear a mask and disguise my voice if I do it. Are you? That's, that's no one idea. will know it's me. I want to do more of it because I want mine to be like <laughs> – um, Isaac Butterfield, uh, Butterfield or uh, uh, Joe Rogan, in that mine would be more along the lines, actually more like Isaac Butterfield or Bridget Fetessy, um than Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan always has a guest. I kind of want to come at things in a comical way because I, 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 I'm a very funny person. If you guys meet me in person, I, I am a hilarious person. I've been told by millions of people how hilarious I am. We would have a newspaper that we hold up every episode <laughs> to indicate the date, and we would yeah. be wear, wearing the black ski masks. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how it's going to roll. Let me and, tell you something. They always yeah. figure out who you are. Uh, oh, I, I know. I know. And, and like, it's supposed to be tongue-in-cheek. Like, it would yeah. be just totally comedy. Because, look, I, I'm, a belie I'm a believer in this. Politics is sacred. Like, your politics and your beliefs are sacred. Absolutely. Um, it, you should never be ostracized for your beliefs, but I also encourage people to realize that there are more than one solution to every problem. 
Exactly. Um, and that's, so that's why I could do something like that and get away with it. Cause I can, I can play both sides of the fence all day long. Yeah. Um, I just have to be careful because if anybody, um, it's not that they could get me fired for it because as yeah, long as yeah. I don't announce what I do, who I do it for, it's still okay. Um, that's not to say we're talking about other podcast pop possibilities for us, but we are not going away. I want to make no. that very clear to everyone. I, so I've come up with a couple of funny things. I made a I made a suggestion to David already in the last couple of weeks. I sent him a uh, there's a there's a Scott I want to say Scottish Irish. I, that guy's great. Yeah, this I've guy's been hilarious. And I just recently discovered him, and I could not stop laughing. I mean, he is he does very short videos yeah they're like they're like they're basically tiktok length yeah they're the the i think the longest one is like five minutes and, yeah and he does some funny like he talks about every tool fan he has one for every tool fan and uh in walks um a guy uh who goes you want to get high and listen to the new tool album i don't really like the new tool album he plays both characters I my favorite one is the one oh, where he, uh, he picks all of uh, Carrie King's solos. Oh yeah, Carrie King's solos, and, then, and he tries and to make one. Put them all together. He puts them all together. Don't give the punchline away. I'm not gonna he give the punchline. He I takes gonna... he takes he takes all the uh, the Carrie King solos, and he and he overdubs them on like like you know the multi track DAW, and he like puts them all on top of each other, and then it unlocks this like secret code. Yeah, wait and... till you hear it, guys. It's it, that is a funny one. Um, yeah. And uh, who was that? Uh, he did a he did one where he talked about all DeJet players and he and oh and the the twenty string guitar thing he did the, yeah did the joke on that um, he's just a he's he's an incredibly funny funny guy because he knows this is what comedy he's a funny is. guy and he's got his timing down right it, it, I've seen so many podcasts that think they're funny yep like like us like well no I think I think. We we don't go for funny, but when we do, we 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 make I, it. I know a certain well, podcast that thinks they're funny, but I'm not allowed to say their name anymore. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Jared Dines, um, and some of them overdo it. You know, like like um, some of them hit the mark sometimes, and then other times they overplay the joke. You can't you can't beat the joke like a baby seal. You know, you've got to have um, you've got to have comedy. And the problem is, like, like Stevie T tends to be funny, but then sometimes he'll beat the joke to death. And so yeah. sometimes his 12-minute video would have been good at eight minutes. But then it's Stevie starting to get is just Stevie T. Like, yeah. I don't think he's intentionally trying to be funny. That's just how wacko that dude is. Yeah, I um, yeah, I get the feeling that if you met him in person, he would be that that weird. But yeah. But where he like sometimes it over it's overplayed. Like kicking the things and ah, yeah, and, you know, um, nipples. Um, where, like, uh, a guy like um, the the kid we were talking about, uh, or music is wind. He's very dry. It doesn't. It never strikes me as funny. And I know funny. Yeah, I know funny. I love comedy, and and Jared Dines has never struck me as funny, not in the least. So it's either a a, a generational thing. Or just he's just not really that funny. It's just people see it and they go, "Oh, I've never seen anything like that. It must be funny, and so I should laugh because it won't be cool if I don't laugh." Uh, because I've never seen anything that he did that I thought was in the least bit funny. Um, and he tries to do the the jokes thing and everything else, but 
I've been trying I've to... Been... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I have to explain this, because I've been going over here and going like this a lot during this episode. I'm on MilkmanSound.com, oh, yeah. looking at their their amplifiers, and I'm looking at the prices. And I'm literally sitting here gasping, because I'm like, I can buy their version of a deluxe reverb for the price of a vintage one. Oh my god. They're like... Dude, they're like... Here... Uh, I think this is supposed to be a deluxe reverb copy, the 20 watt creamer, and it is $28.99. What? That's a lot. What? <laughs> uh, see, I can't. In, yeah. in what world will this have more value? Then a deluxe reverb from the 60s. This is a bad idea. Yeah. If you're buying this, you're doing nothing but spending hipster money. Everybody's buying Milkman right now. <laughs> yep. So you're going to pay the premium to buy an amp. Now, granted, I haven't played one, right? Yep. And I'm making some assumptions here. But you're going to pay this kind of money for what is essentially an amp you can get for like you know, $2,800 for a real one, you know, between 2800 and 3500 for a real one, for a real one. I mean, this just They're doesn't saying. make sense to me. Like what is with people? Um, who's the other guy? Uh, and I'll call him out cause I don't want him on the show. D Doug Cower. Um, Doug oh, Cower. Yeah. Jim and I have had conversations about Doug Cower behind the scenes. Uh, Doug makes, Basically, complete knockoffs of, um, yep, like of Gibson Fire, Gibson, Gibson Firebirds, and stuff like that. Yep. And like, I don't, I don't care that he's making knockoffs, but he's charging more than the real thing in some cases. It's like, why would you do that? I mean, now in the amplifier world, I kind of get it. It's like, well, I got one that's an original and it breaks down a lot, so I'm going to buy this new one. But it sort of still doesn't make sense because you can get them serviced and get them fixed up. And if you send them to the right place, you'll never have to have them worked on again. Yeah. Other than do caps every 10 years. You know, right. um, I just, I don't get it. I don't get, dude, I, I don't, there's so many things in this industry right now that are just like mind boggling to me. Um, and I know. And definitely one like, of them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 products that he makes. Holy crap. Five watt, remember, 5 Watt World was a big fan of uh, of uh, Milkman. Yep. So so I know about Benson too, right? And they're kind of affiliated. Like, they, they know each other. Let's see what Benson Monarch goes for. It's a 15 Watt amp. And I think these are supposed to be like more Tweed-like, I think. Oh, these are affordable. Like 750 bucks for a Benson Monarch, which I think is like a 5-watt head. 5-watt world, he... Keith, uh... Keith uh, kind of makes me laugh in a way, because he... He, he he's started so off... He's good, but he's pretentious. Yeah. I. <clears throat> it, it's funny to watch him, because he talks about... Um, uh, how 
oh, we should have one guitar. That was his big thing in the beginning. Beware the man with one guitar. And I kind of followed his channel as a result of it. Um, but now I guess he's hit hit a new mark with um, the short history of, and he does the Les Paul and he does the, you know. Yeah, he's done a bunch of those. But And um, it's like, if you don't know the stories and you're watching these videos, like, I'm yeah, kind of surprised. Yeah, it's not, there's nothing revolutionary in them. Um, I, I hate it when we do, when we cover stuff that like, I know the audience knows. Yeah. But we do it because we do know there are certain members of our audience who may not know. Yeah. Um, so we try to give it to you in the fastest way we can right. so we can get through it. Um, but I'm looking at this Monarch. Actually, this is kind of cool because it's based on a, a Bogan PA head. Yep. Um, like, you know, a certain other guitar player we were talking about recently. Hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of those old PA heads were popular. I mean, uh, the, the Sun Coliseum head was what... Uh, um, Guy in Black Oak, Arkansas, season. Yep. So. I yep. I I find that not surprising. Anyway, but yeah, no, it, interesting stuff. Um, but so like there are companies out there that are making stuff like Greer, right? That are yep. affordable. But why in the hell is Milkman so much money? Like, wh what is it about them? I don't know. I man, three thousand dollars. Yeah, I don't. I honestly don't know. I've never heard a milkman in person, so I don't know. Uh, they um, can't. Like, listen, listen. Aren't they popular? If I can with buy, if I can buy a Dumble clone from a reputable builder for three grand, you can lower your price, milkman. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Who made Who made JHS's uh, amp for him? The the one that he uses. Is that? Uh, I thought it was them. Was that them? Yeah. Let's ask who makes the JHS amp. Yeah, because he made Milk a man. Uh, Milk man. Yeah. yeah. I thought you know so. Just looking is? at it. Do you know how, how much, much the amp is? What four grand? Twenty six hundred dollars. Oh, that's not terrible. Twenty six versus yeah for a single channel amp with four controls and a low and high input. Yep, that's pretty much it. With a Jupiter speaker, where's the? I, I want to know. Now you know why I want the uh, California tweet. No reverb. Well, yeah, no, like. Bucks. <laughs> l l I mean, that totally makes sense. Um, turret board doesn't even look that super clean or anything. It's not mil spec or anything like that. Transformer's tiny in this thing. Um,. Which, you know, a lot of the old Fender amps had tiny transfers. There's no reverb on this amp. It yeah. has a pair of 606s. Yeah. It's supposed to be, uh, what did they pair call it, one louder seven. or something like that? Louder is better. It's the loud, is more, loud is more good. Loud is more good. That's it. Yeah. I mean, this is basically like a Fender pedal platform. Yeah. Uh, and they want to charge $2,600 for it. No, yeah. thank you. I will buy the vintage alternative. Yeah. Um. Which in this case would be just a regular old deluxe, yeah. Not a uh, deluxe reverb or anything. So yeah. you could probably get that for around twenty five hundred, I would say. Yeah. Um, th things that boggle me, uh, boggle my mind. Things that boggle my mind. Cha single channel amp, two inputs. Yep. Twenty six hundred dollars, which means that you are paying. Was it uh, thirteen hundred dollars per input? 
$1,300 per input. Let that sink in for a minute. Yeah. Not even per channel, per input. Now, yeah, let's switch gears, shall we? Let's switch gears, shall we? Let's go to a real boutique company in that they are a small shop. They build their own cabinets. They spec their own speakers from other manufacturers. They build their own boards. They populate their own boards. They they get their own spec transformers. And they do everything in-house by themselves as much as possible. Let's look at Mesa Boogie, shall we? So, oh yeah, Fillmore. A Fillmore 50, which has more watts than this, by the way. Uh, so even your watt-to-dollar ratio is higher. A Fillmore 50 combo is... Uh, sixteen ninety nine. I think I'm looking for the listing. Yeah, sixteen ninety nine. With that, you get one, two, three, four, five, six, seven controls per channel. Yep. Two channels, three modes per channel. Two, uh, well, one's a foot switch. So you get you get a foot switch on this guy because you got multiple channels. Um, and you also have, um, uh. I thought you had uh, selectable, selectable uh, guitar input level. Guess you don't. Um, you get an effects loop. Who the thought, right? Uh, thought? You might want an effects loop if you're going to buy a pedal platform. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, a Celestian speaker. You know, a big transformer, pair of big transformers. Um, I think. Sixteen ninety nine is probably the better value for a multi-channel amp well, or a I'll pedal just, platform. I'll just say this: the Mesa Boogie <laughs> that I'm looking at is the yeah, you're California, California Tweed. It's only single channel, though. It is, um, but it's basically eight amps in the same box. Well, it's got a normal and a, and a, a low input, but yeah, single channel. Um, and for uh, that money, um, we're looking at eighteen ninety nine, and and that, I mean that's a, you know, I'm just saying. Um, J- again, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Hey guys, can I ask a question? Yeah. Is the real re- reason you want a Mesa Boogie California Tweed because it's white? No, because I was looking at the blue one, which is like twenty eighty eight. Yeah, they're they're a little bit more. Uh, yeah, so these amps, like if you haven't looked at the California. Uh, I know I covered it on the show earlier, but it has multi-watt mode. And so as you go from 2 to 10, to, I think it's like 15, and then 30, and then 40 watts. Yep. Um, and the, each of those settings is basically like having a different amp. So it's like a Champ, uh, a Princeton, you know, a Deluxe, and then like a, one of the, like a basement, right? In 40 watts, it's basically a basement. Yep. Um, which is interesting because it's all six v six powered, but like that immediately is better than a loud is more good from JHS, which is one. Ten. Yeah, you go from two to ten to twenty to thirty to forty. So it's um, you know, that's one of those. And things. you have effects loop, a reverb foot switch. Yeah. Yep. Um, there's some tubes in there. There's some transformers in there. You yep. get it. You get a Jensen speaker, yep. so you don't have to overpay if you need a replacement speaker. Yep. Because <laughs> that's a, that's when I look at these like um, uh, these amps from Milkman. I'm going, you got your own speaker. Does that mean that I'm going to have to like pay 
a lot of money to get a replacement speaker from you idiots. If mine blows, like I have no idea what your what your speaker quality is like. I don't know where you're getting them from. Um, <laughs> call me nuts. Yeah. Uh, well, again, you know, um, uh, when it comes to uh, uh, P- or, uh, Mesa Boogie, they've been doing it right for a long time. Uh, oh, yeah, long. I mean, you know, since, since what, like uh, 73, 74? Yep. Um, I, you know, I got to get Pat on the show. We got to get him on the show. Uh, maybe after 200, we'll have him come on. Uh, even if it's just me talking to him in the store, like with a recorder or something. Because I want him to talk about... Um, I want him to talk about Mesa Boogie. I want, to give him the spiel, I want him to give the spiel that he gives to people who are like on the fence about whether Mesa Boogie is any better than any of the other boutique brands. Because he knows firsthand... He's dealt with their salespeople. He knows all the people that work there. He's, you know, he's met everybody. Um, he knows firsthand the size of the company, the level of talent at the company, the amount of the amount of resources that company has, the business practices of that company, um, and the fact that they really are truly a boutique company, despite the fact that they now have a reputation for being as big as Marshall or as big as Fender. You people are nuts if you think Mesa Boogie is that big. That's why their amps are still three grand and two grand. They don't make anything cheap yeah. because they're not a massive corporation. They can't do it. Yep. Um, they don't have the infrastructure in place. They'd have to go to Premier Builders Guild or whoever else that's that's still in business um, to get them to build their Chinese boarded amp. Yep. They don't do that. And that would not that's have never, the same quality. That's never been their thing. Um. But uh, my 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 ultimate point before we end the show on this is that if you're looking at boutique amplifiers, just understand that the only two juggernaut companies in our entire industry, true juggernauts, um, it, as far as guitars are concerned, it's Fender and it's Gibson. If if you're not a Fender or Gibson brand, and I'm talking about Jacks and all those other ones, like you're probably a pretty small shop. You might pretend you're bigger than you are, but you're probably not that big. If you are in the amplifier side of the business, it's Fender and Marshall. And with rare exceptions, uh, some of the other companies can be can be fairly large, like Mox can be a little bit bigger. But for the most part, and I think amplifier companies, it's not as cut and dry. When you're talking about boutique stuff, like Soldano is probably marginally smaller than Mesa Boogie at this point. Yep. Uh, because Soldano just sold his company. He went over to a company that's going to build his crap for him. Oh, Mike Soldano. Which means that your four, yeah, your four thousand dollars Soldano is now made by some by uh by whoever works at that plant. Like absolutely ridiculous. Um, I, I'm sorry if Mesa Boogie can still have the same people that's been building their amps that have been working there for thirty years. Um, you know, since since basically since Randall Smith actually had to hire employees. Um, most of them are still working there. Um, if I I can still have that same person building mine, why in the hell would it be any different for, you know, for like Mike Soldano or yeah. any of the, oh God, I got in a pissing match. This, this is totally relevant. I got a pissing match on YouTube with a guy who said, 
the Mesa Boogie dual rectifier was a knockoff of the Soldano SLO 100 pre No, it wasn't. Yes, That's it was. Even... Yes, it was. The original dual rectifier preamp is identical to the Soldano SLO 100 preamp. Right. The difference is the power section. Okay. Right. And you can hear there's an interview with um, Dave Friedman on his podcast. I forget the name of it. Had Soldano on there. And they were making fun of the, the Mesa Boogie power amp. Because they don't understand it. They don't understand the market they're building for. Because the Mesa Boogie power amp is supposed to be neutral. The whole point is you get all your gain from the preamp in those amps. Like, that's what the dual rec was supposed to be. And, and like, oh, well, he ripped off the Soldano power or the preamp and he has a crappy power amp. He did it for a different reason. And you can't, like, it's a circuit. Everybody takes circuits and they slowly modify them. They do different things. The new Mesa Boogie Badlander just came out. I guarantee you that's that uh, the the preamp is not identical to any Soldano preamp. It's just that's what they happen to use as the basis for their gain staging. And they knew that the real star of that amp was going to be the power amp. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a dual rectifier, folks. It yeah. has a switchable rectifier. Gee. I wonder if they thought that the power amp was going to be a feature of that amplifier. Yeah. Yeah, the I mean, dual rec and the triple rec, that was their that was their big selling point. Yeah. On the whole line, because they had a whole yeah. rectifier line. Remember, they had like a Blue yeah. Angel and all the other yes, stuff. Yes. Like the whole idea was like that they were all these based on this similar like... It was all for the metal rec. players. Yeah. So, yeah, they were all for the metal players, except for like the Nomad, which was... Right, right. You know, like firmly in blues territory, and and that that that's a, you know that's like the mindset of people though. Like I like Soldano, so I'm just going to go around and spew, and spew this little piece of knowledge I heard from somebody, right. and pretend like um, I hate Mesa Boogie because they ripped off Mike Soldano. Listen, Mike Soldano ripped off Marshall long before, and pro- and and Marshall ripped off. Fender because they stole their design from the basement. Like it doesn't and, stop in this industry. Yeah, and and of course, uh, uh, Boogie started with the uh, modifying uh, hot rodding modifying, right, Princeton's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first Mark One was a mo- they were modified Princeton's. Yeah, yeah. They All were right. Modified Since you're looking at the California, I'll, I'll clue you in. So the California is based on Tweed, right? It's a California right. Tweed. Um, and that was really what Randall Smith liked. He wanted to build tweeds in the beginning. And they, you know, just happened to be that they, uh, the circuit that took off was the Mark One, right. which was just, a, which was a joke. Like he wasn't, he wasn't really like looking at, so he's got all, he had all these prototypes and stuff and he had all these blueprints for these tweeds that he thought about building. Right. And then he built, he built a couple and then they just like never happened. Right. So like 30 years later, actually it's the, the 50th anniversary of Mesa Boogie, um, they decided they would take a look at some of those designs a couple years ago for the 50th anniversary. And the California Tweet is the 50th anniversary amp. Yep. The Fillmore is actually the kissing cousin to the California Tweet. Right. It is based on the same Tweet circuit with modifications. Yep. And then well, you can t- the, I mean, the Fillmore, the name should say it. You know, can I can, you know, what's even worse. 
Sure. They have another amp that's based on, and I, I found this out the other day. Some people were talking about it in an amp builders forum. There is one other amp that they have released that is based off the California tweed circuit. What's that? The Triple Crown. Oh, the Triple Crown. Yeah, you see. Can you believe that that thing that with monster smolten gain is loosely based on some yep. of the same principles and circuit designs that are utilized in the California tweed? Yeah. Well, I can see you liking the Fillmore, honestly. I mean, that, oh yeah, no, Fillmore's Fillmore's my thing. That, sure. That's not that's not really a surprise to me, um, and I I hope that the tweed isn't a surprise to you with me. I just you know um, it it is and it isn't. Um, because I, everybody knows you, you play tweeds on the edge of breakup. Yep. The Fillmore is the same thing, but it's just done differently. Right. Um, it's voiced differently. And so like, I get it. I just thought that you would be pushing it a little bit more on the saturated side. Right. Than the cleaner side. Like, I know you like to play on the edge. But right. I don't think I don't think tweed circuits do their best on the dirty side. Right. I think they do their best more towards the clean side. Yep. Um, you don't want them clean either. Like I don't want to. I don't want people to think like, oh no, it's about headroom. No, it's not. It's not that. It's like the literally like on the on the volume knob. It's like the difference between one o'clock and eleven o'clock. Right. So, anyway, all right, we need to end this. We need to end this train. Yep. I've been David. I've been Jim. And tonight we were practicing with guitars and it took too long. Yes, it did.